Welcome again, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, another edition of The Sea Report. I am your host, Michael Aaron Gossetis, otherwise known as Mr. C, and it's great to be here with you guys on this Friday afternoon. Now, we are coming to you guys earlier than usual by, you know, a few hours. We've been kind of off the hook right now. And I'll be absolutely honest with you guys, I would have actually been live much earlier today, uh, but I had a lot of things I had to get done. For instance, I had to make sure that we had last night's episode. Actually, we did two C reports yesterday. So I had to make sure both of those episodes got uploaded to the podcast before we went on the air today, because right now, the reason why we're live right now at this hour and we would have been live sooner is because of the Ukraine-Russia military operation, okay? And that's what we're going to call it right now. That's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it the military. In fact, I believe the episode, the title of today's episode. Uh, this is uh, the Sea Report episode number 255, uh, Russian military operations in Ukraine. Okay, that's the name of today's episode, all right? Now... I wanted to get on earlier, but, like, people are just looking for information right now. Like, crazy. And we were on late last night debunking this entire supposed invasion into Ukraine last night. That's what we were doing last night here on the Sea Report. We were up till about midnoche with you guys, going through everything. We were talking about the neo-Nazis. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about, oh, we were, we were reviewing live cams, which I might add, the live cams are all down today, okay? We were reviewing live cams in Odessa. We were reviewing live cams in Lviv. We were reviewing live cams in Kiev. We were reviewing live cams in Kar- Kharkov, Okay, and last night, the live cam show, oh, pretty peaceful, not a war-torn, no tanks, no military, no troops on the ground, not even Ukraine military defense troops or defense units were on the ground, not even in the capital of Ukraine. Did you see any type of Ukraine military defense force? Period. None. Okay. And this is on the day of a great invasion, right? And uh, what were we were watching the live streams last night? Like we were just debunking this thing a hundred percent last night. Okay. A hundred percent. And you know, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird media has just been on the air nonstop. And on some stations, they're on 24 hours. I was quite interested to see that CNN was not 24 hours, but yet it seems that this is the war that they manufactured, okay? This is supposed to be a CNN production. Let me get this off my mic. Sorry, guys. Okay. This is supposed to be a CNN production, what we're seeing in Ukraine right now. Like, this is brought to you by CNN and MSNBC, but they're not doing their 24-hour coverage, and let me tell you why. Because CNN is so podunked, and CNN is so bankrupt that they don't have have the staff to run a 24-hour report on the biggest historical event this side of President Trump happening in Ukraine right now, okay? Because CNN don't got it no more. They can't run their little studios with their green screens and their actors pretending to be in Ukraine, okay? They tried... They did pretty good during the 9 to 5, right? During 9 to 5, they did pretty good. But no one at CNN is going to work there after 5 p.m., okay? 
<laughs> not unless they're in studio and they have a show. All right, but they're not going to be there. You, I mean, you had France, Germany, uh, RT. They were all running 24-hour coverage. Sky News was running 24-hour coverage. But at the same time, even though this is a massive invasion into Ukraine, okay, we don't see any new footage. Okay, we see the same, what, 10 clips on repeat the whole time. And then we just got a myriad amount of talking heads and pundits, just blah, 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 blah. Most of them are coming from the Atlantic Council. Most of them are coming from, you know, other progressive think tanks. Most of them are coming from the United Nations. Okay, blah, 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 blah. You know, Putin is Hitler and uh, this is all at war. So, you know, we're going to debunk this mother... Before she's done. And, you know, I said yesterday, Antony Blinken needs not to be Blinken because this military operation is going to be over just as it began. Okay, because Putin is not going to occupy Ukraine. Putin simply went in there to, uh, well, you know, I kept saying last night he was going in there to take out the deep state operators. He was going in there to take out the globalists. That's what he was doing. It seems that there's a little bit more information on that front, ladies and gentlemen. And indeed, we listened to the words of Putin yesterday. Now, everyone knows that uh, prior to sunrise Russia time, Putin got on live Russian television and he gave a speech about what Russia was about to be doing in Ukraine. Now, uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, like, not many people heard that speech in its entirety. It took me 21 minutes to read that entire speech. It was not a short speech. He did, just did, he did not just get on TV and say, Anyone who wants to interfere with this operation will see extreme Russian pushback. And he did, he did not just say, we are going into Ukraine to do denazification of Ukraine. Like, that's not all he said, but that's the only soundbite that you're getting, okay? We went through that entire speech, okay? And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone who was hanging out with us last night on the other side of that speech was just jaw on the floor, because... Putin laid out the history of the tyrannical globalist elite who run the United States of America and all their operations, okay? And he told the world what they've been doing and why Russia is responding the way that they are and what they were planning to do in Ukraine. And so I just said, okay, guys, let's do this. How about we don't pick a side here? Because if we sound like we're picking a side... They're going to think I'm a Russian bot, right? They're going to be like, this is a Russian disinfo agent. He's a shill. All right, look at his head. It glows green in the dark. You know, like that kind of thing. Anyways, so, so we're not going to pick a side. But what we are going to see is how this stacks up. What the propaganda mockingbird legacy media says, what we see, and what Russia says. And we'll see where that balances out towards, guys, because what I am seeing here is that quite possibly this, uh, this, 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 um, this, this globalist, elitist, deep state, Illuminati, New World Order, propaganda, filth, MSM, legacy media, all of them, all of them. They don't know what's going on. Like, they they cannot... Like, they keep saying it's a full-scale invasion. It's a full-scale incursion. 
they kept on they kept on uh they kept on putting up a front you know what i mean like like they were gonna they were gonna do something really bad to, and what are they doing to putin they're putting uh they're putting sanctions on him okay he's doing a full-scale invasion an occupation killing thousands and thousands of ukrainians which like i said we watched the live cams on like at least four or five of those major city centers that were supposedly bombed and destroyed by russia nothing peace people riding their bikes <laughs> cars riding around the square you know like people jogging and walking their dogs okay yeah yeah no troops not even in kiev not even in the main square no no ukrainian military defense troops nothing 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 debunked it's fake okay so here's what we think i think is really going on okay i think putin like i said last night he is enacting a military operation to take out some something of the the globalist is it a deep underground military base i don't know is it a globalist uh, chemical lab i don't know is it a globalist biological development lab you know like a bio lab like we saw in wuhan china could be could be you know like i said he also said he's taking out the nazis okay he's taking out the nazis and the world is saying putin is crazy he's a madman he's a psychopath a sociopath and he is uh he's an illicit liar because he believes that there are nazis in ukraine and he believes that the ukrainian government is made up of nazis that's not what putin said okay that's not what Putin said. And yes, that's 100% correct, Slick Shoe. My head does glow green in the dark. <laughs> Anyways, guys. So uh, that's why we're live here today. That's why I'm in my war gear, right? Whenever we're at war, I don't wear my coat. I just wear my vest, all right? We got to be ready to move in action. We need to have some kind of, you know, we need to be able to move and stretch and like, you know, get, get physical, okay? So... <laughs> Hey, Dale777, what's up? All the above. So anyways, I would have been on much earlier today to start covering this because, you know, I kept saying last night, they need something to happen before the sun rises in America today. They need like a, a, a nuke needs to go off or like they need to like, they need to like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, and this is their problem because they have this whole like, you know, time zone issue, right? They have stuff going on in Ukraine. We're looking at the Ukraine live streams yesterday, like at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m. Central Time. It's already sunrise in Ukraine and there's nothing going on. But, but as all the broadcasts were going off the air over here in America, they're like, uh, Putin's going to do a full scale invasion and it's going to be, there's going to be an amphibious strike from the South. Speaking of which, I was watching the Pentagon. The Pentagon had a presser about an hour or so ago. Okay. And they were like, we don't have any visual confirmation. We don't have, we can't, it's hard to get any kind of like eyes on the ground over there. But from what we understand, they are currently doing an amphibious attack into Odessa and into Crimea up through the South and the ocean. Okay. And we were looking at those live cams last night. We were looking at all the ocean live cams. We were looking for, we were looking for Russian warboats, right? We were looking for like, you know, like little, like little, any kind of boats, any kind of Russians. There were no Ruskies in the water, okay? There were no amphibians crawling onto the land. <laughs> it's just not 
happening. And, you know, I'm glad that we did that last night. What was that? Uh, Two Rivers and MacGyver over there at uh, pill.net and foxhole.app in the uh, community over there. They're the ones who suggested, let's look at the live cams. So we looked at the live cams, guys. The live cams are down right now. You cannot see any. Does that mean it's because they're bombing? Or is that because maybe there's nothing going on over there? Maybe because people are having a fun day at the beach, but we're supposed to be seeing like Russian troops and tanks and everything rolling up onto the beach, right? For this full scale invasion, right? No, it's, it's a military operation. Russia, just like the United States has done under the president's, uh, admin- presidency and administration of, of, of Donald Trump, they have, they have used... I think, like, for example, I think when it came to Syria, right, they used this cover of striking back against uh, uh, President, what's his name, uh, uh, Assad, right, uh, for, for gassing his people. They used that retaliation as a cover to strike against globalist chemical labs. And, and who else knows? Maybe, maybe uh, arms bases in Syria, to take out, take away the ability for these globalist threats and proxy armies and, and you know, uh, henchmen to strike back. Now, I think that's very well what we're seeing in Ukraine. Ukraine is a power center, okay? It is a stronghold for the globalists. This much we understand, okay? At least since Obama, at least since Obama has Ukraine the doormat and the armpit of the that eastern part of the world where they've been used as a hinge and a pivot point for uh, consternation and for war and, and just just to poke the bear, you know, like that's what Ukraine has been, okay? And it's a strong point for the globalists. And I think Putin is in there now and he's wiping all of that out, okay? Putin said in his speech last night, we are not here to occupy. He said, we are not here to, uh, to, to force people to do things against their will. But let it be known, if you try and stop us, you will be met with the full force of the Russian army. Okay, so he was saying, and he even said in his speech to to our brothers in the Ukraine military, please lay down your arms. We will not attack you. We will allow you to return. We will not strike against you. You know, you will be able to go back to your families. You'll be able to go back to your base. Just don't fight us because we are not here to fight you. Okay. So, there's some context for you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sea Report. We're live on this Friday afternoon. And uh, this is February 25th, 2022. This is what we'll be talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. You know, because this is by far one of the... Uh, this is this is live time. People keep saying it's historical. Let me tell you why it's historical. Because we're watching the deep state crumble. Ladies and gentlemen, we're watching them crumble fast and we're watching them crumble hard. Okay, so uh, that's what the topic of conversation is going to be for this afternoon, guys. We are going to look at uh, these possible targets that the deep state is, uh, you know, <laughs> losing at this moment uh, at the hands of the Russian military. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at some other things. One of the other things that I also want to debunk here today, guys, because we've been doing this for like over a month, guys, since, since, since this became a real big issue. 
We've been looking at the history since before Kazakhstan, guys. Since before Kazakhstan. You remember Kazakhstan, right? That happened on January 2nd, okay? So we've been doing this for almost two months. Since, since Kazakhstan, at least, we have been looking at the history of Russia and that region. We've been going through it all, okay? And we've been looking at possible variables and counterpoints to the mainstream narrative. Like I said, the only thing that I'm I'm sorry for is that my broadcast does not have a bigger reach because I think we are providing something value added to the community. So if you think that this is something value added to the community and you're over there at pill.net, follow my account at Mr. C um, over at pill.net. If you're on the foxhole.app, favorite my show so this way you can get notifications. Okay, if you're over at Truth Social. Share my links, guys. Okay, if you're over at frankspeech.com, share my links. If you're over at if you're over at Gab, share my links, please. If you think that what I have to say has any merit, guys, because we've been doing this, and I think we've been doing it well for uh, at least one revolution around the sun. Now, before we get into the meat of today's episode, because there's a couple of topics that I want to go through, uh, we are also going to do real quick housekeeping. Just at the head of the show, just for those of you who are new to the show, we are broadcasting live on Foxhole Pilled, on Rumble, on Twitch, and on Clout Hub. So if you are on Clout Hub, Twitch, or Rumble, please follow, subscribe, like, friend, uh, and share the links. Please, please, please. I can only ask you, or I could tell you, be sure you follow that page. Be sure you share that link. I don't know. I guess people respond more when you actually tell them to do something as opposed to ask them with a pretty please on top, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, visit our website over at anchor.fm slash the C report. Say you don't get a chance to catch us live and in living color. You can always check out our podcast. And uh, we have every episode of the C report posted on our podcast uh, at anchor.fm slash the C report. And uh, you can actually follow and subscribe for free on any of the major podcast platforms that you would prefer to listen to. Yes, we're on Spotify. Yes, we're on GoOgle. Yes, we're on Apple. I can't help it that they haven't taken me off. If you think that's to my discredit, well, that's on you. Uh, see, so the last episode we had yesterday, that I, we just posted this today, uh, Russia invades Ukraine, tall tales from the West, uh, mainstream media debunked on invasion. What else did I say about it? Let me, let me take a gander. I don't know what I said about my own episode. Oh, it doesn't tell me. Uh, I just, I guess my title was too long. Anyways, and then also, uh, the title also went on to say there are neo-Nazis in Ukraine, okay? Because that's what we have them saying uh, Putin is crazy. Because there's no such thing as neo-Nazis in Ukraine. But we all know that they're there, guys. We've read the articles. We've seen the pictures. In fact, we're going to start off today's episode with that as well. We're going we're gonna to throw a couple of more uh, uh, evidence, evidentiary pieces about neo-Nazis in Ukraine. But anyways, we got that up there. We also did, we did two episodes yesterday. So yesterday we also did an episode with uh, featuring the new Virginian government because we have not been able to congratulate them and acknowledge them since they uh, were uh, put into office in January. So uh, we, had, uh, we had an icebreaker with Alveda King and Winsome Sears. We talked a little bit about 
Winsome Sears, about Hasson Miores, about uh, Glenn Youngkin. So overall, very good. But then also at the uh, podcast, you don't get just the sea report. You also get Lone Star News. All right. Our latest episode with Lone Star News featured an interview with Kyle Sinclair, who is running for District 20 in Texas, because Lone Star News is a Texas-centric radio show, broadcast, podcast, live stream. And you also get, these guys are, I'm a little slow on this, but you also get the Mr. C in the Dark as Slick Shoe so aptly pointed out, we got Mr. C in the Dark. Okay, uh, we have episode 54 is the last one. I'm still working on uploading these guys. But we will get more Mr. C in the Dark on the air uh, very quickly over at our podcast. Actually, we'll be live again tonight with Mr. C in the Dark. So uh, we're on early today. I don't know how long we're going to be on, but uh, we're only going to do one C report today. Okay, so we're doing it now because we want to talk Russia. We want to talk Ukraine because it's going to be over like it's probably going to be over by tomorrow, latest Monday, okay? It'll be over latest Monday, unless the deep state finds some new angle that they can exploit or they drop a nuke. It's going to be over. I mean, you should just, if you really watch the news reports right now, if you really, really pay attention to them, they all seem kind of open-ended. Like, they're all kind of, like, frazzled. Every telecaster, every uh, official representative, whether they're from the Pentagon or whether they're from the Deep State Department or whether they're from the United Nations, if they're not, if they're not overtly angry and passionately upset because that's how they're going to sell their point. They're kind of like frazzled. They're kind of like, they, they kind of like, they're ambiguous. Like they, they're, they're proving their point, but they don't have a point to prove, right? Like that's the way it was when I saw the spokesperson for the Pentagon talking today, who was like, he's like, again, guys, I can't, I can't give you any answers because everything's changing. But, you know, we don't have pictures of it. But from what we understand, they're doing a full scale amphibious attack in the south, uh, south of uh, Ukraine right now off the coast of Crimea and there's just all of these Russian war boats blah 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 ladies and gentlemen this this is interesting guys because think about it this way think about it this way if the globalists the black hats genuinely have no power right now and we're watching a movie And they've been calling our bluff since President Trump was booted from office, okay? And the white hats really are in control. And the only reason why these deep staters, these globalist trash, can call our bluff is because they have the media apparatus to back them up, which... That's a pretty powerful tool, right? Maybe they don't have nukes. Maybe they don't have the kind of artillery and firepower that they would like to have. But they have the brainwashing propaganda weapon machine that is the mainstream, lamestream, fake stream, shame stream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird media. And that's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. That psych weapon like that psychological weapon known as the mainstream, the TV box, the idiot box, the radio, whatever you want to call it, is a very powerful weapon. 
So they've been able to call their bluff or force their bluff, actually. The globalists have been able to force their bluff because of that weapon, which is, of course, the media. You know, that's why the media needs to go or it needs to be fixed. We can never enter into the promised land as long as an agency like CNN or MSNBC is around. We can never get to the fields of honey and milk, okay, if the mainstream media is not fixed. That needs to be fixed, it needs to be course corrected, or it needs to be destroyed. Because we will never be able to get to the mountaintop as long as they exist. We can fix every government in this world We can fix the United States, we can get rid of the deep state, we can get rid of the central bankers, we can get rid of the globalist, elitist, Illuminati scum who have been infesting this country since 1776, okay? We can get rid of them, but if we still have this trash, propaganda, filth media, we will never get to the mountaintop, guys. We will never get to the mountaintop. They need to be fixed, okay? They need to be fixed. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, independent broadcasters such as myself, Michael Aaron Cossidis here at The Sea Report, support us. <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, to just to follow that thought up, you know, pass out my links, you know, uh, uh, gold pills, you know, donations, whatever. Anyways, I hate sounding like a televangelist. I am so bad at selling myself. <laughs> Uh, my pimp would be so mad at me. Anyways, okay, enough about that, guys. Uh, before we move on into a bigger and broader things, I'd just like to say, visit us over at our website, <laughs> thecreport.com, okay? Uh, this is where our website is currently under construction, just so you guys know. Our, our website's currently under construction. It's not normally this bland. Okay, we got nuked a couple of months back. They destroyed all of our video. They took it down, all that stuff. So this is a filler page. And we are uh, currently, I'm almost done with it, guys. I'm almost, the, the site is almost ready to go. I just got a few more things to add and then I'll get it live to you guys. But what I would like to encourage you all, if you are interested, go and sign up for our email list so that we can beat big tech and censorship. Now I got to say guys, when it comes to when it comes to blackballing and it comes to censorship and stuff like that, my broadcast suffers more from shadow banning and being algorithmed into non-existence, okay? My broadcasts get put into the corner. They don't ban me, they don't kick me off, they don't censor me, but they algorithm me into a corner and no one can ever find me. That's what they do with my broadcast, okay? So where people are getting... I've been banned on Twitter. I've been banned on YouTube. I'm back on Twitter because I'm just tenacious like that. Uh, You know, YouTube, I've just... I'm done with YouTube, right? You know, I've been banned on Facebook completely. Like, I can't... I couldn't even think about getting back on Facebook. I don't even think about it, but I couldn't if I wanted to, you know? But I get algorithm and shadow banned. That's the fate of Mr. C. So this way, you still see me on Spotify if you look for me. Uh, or I shouldn't say if you look for me, if you can find me, you know, you'll still see me on Rumble, even though you won't. Like, you have to sp- type in very specific keywords to find my show on Rumble, interesting enough, right? You know, uh, and, and that's just the way it is for, for me here, you know. So that's why I, I say share my links, you know, spread the word, because you guys are literally the only way that my show will grow. I've been alg- I've been on the internet since 2008 doing stuff like this, guys. They caught onto my game quick before a lot of you Q heads came out. 
I was on the air in 2008 talking about the Federal Reserve. I gave them my full name. I have been in the same area for my entire life. I've been shad. They caught onto me real quick. They probably used my show as one of the experiments in algorithm and, and shadow banning. Like uh, this guy, Michael Aaron Caceres. Okay. <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, Austin, Texas. Okay. Let's just see how do we get the shadow binding and this algorithm machine to work against these types of people. Because that's what I was doing back then. That's what I was doing back in 2008. Good luck finding those shows, by the way. They have been totally wiped from the internet. So anyhow, join the mailing list, okay? And right now, the first 20 to 25 people who join the mailing list will get one of these. You know, because I'm not very big on promotion. I'm not very big on merchandise. You know, I'm not here to sell myself. I'm not here to sell my image in the C report. Okay, you know, I'm here to share information and give news to help us stay uh, abreast and attuned to what's going on in the world. You know, I don't need to be like, buy my show, you know, even though it helps, guys, because shows like this don't last long without y'all support. Because I don't have corporate sponsors. I don't have independent sponsors. I don't have no sponsors. My sponsors are my listeners. My sponsors are my audience. And, uh, well, I mean, that's just the long and short of it. But if you sign up for the mailing list, uh, I got these from Printus Maximus. So they're just promotional items. You know, if I ever do merchandise, if I ever do, I've had people ask, okay? People have asked. If I ever do, you know, we'll, we'll send these stickers for free. But if you join the mailing list, the first uh, 2025 to do so, well, I'll send you a sticker if you want to disclose your address. If not, you know, it's just, it's great to have you on the mailing list. So the creport.com, and that's where you can get that 411, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, guys. All right. We're finally getting into the show. Now, like I said, we're here early today because we want to cover this whole Russia-Ukraine situation. We want to debunk it as we've been doing it since Kazakhstan, all right? We've been debunking this since Kazakhstan happened. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's all over the media. They're pasting it all over the place. That's why it's important to talk about it. Now, I had someone tell me the other day, they were like, you know, uh, you're so passionate about covering Russia, but you don't talk about Canada. And I was like, well, you know, it's not that I don't talk about Canada. It's just, you know, I got a lot of other things to cover about. But they're like, well, you, you say things like, you say things like uh, everyone else is talking about Canada, so you're not going to talk about Canada. I was like, I never said that, okay? I never said I wasn't going to talk about Canada because everybody else is talking about Canada. That's a little egotistical and a little crazy, if you ask me. <clears throat> I would never say that I'm not going to talk about a topic because other people are talking about it so much. That's a little juvenile also. You know, when I say something like, I know we could talk about Canada, but we've been talking about Russia and Ukraine. We've been talking about, you know, election integrity, election fraud. Besides, everyone else has it covered. That doesn't mean I'm not talking about Canada because everyone else is talking about it. So why am I? You know, like it's I don't know. That's I don't know. That's kind of like I don't know what to think about that. You know, like uh, I wouldn't brush aside a news story just because other people are talking about it. You know, no, when I say something like that, I say that because I know they've got it covered, okay? Not because 
I don't want to cover it because everyone else is covering it. It's like, that's like saying I'm not going to cover a story because I didn't get the scoop on it. Like, like, well, if no, if you're, if I'm not going to cover it, nobody's going to cover it. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's immature, juvenile, and kind of egotistical, if you ask me. Anyways, so I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, but, you know, we have, we have our, our, our heels hot on the ground on these topics. You know, election integrity and election fraud is one of the most important issues to me. And that's why we cover that so much here at the Sea Report. And if people refrain from covering those stories because someone else is talking about it or maybe they don't like me, that's on them, okay? Where's your integrity, right? As a, as a journalist or a citizen journalist or whatever. Anyways, guys, we're, we'll talk Canada. Don't worry, guys. We will talk Canada because, after all, America's coming, right? With the Canadian, the American Truckers Association is now uh, entering into the fray. So that'll be, that'll be fun times. That'll be fun times. But we, we will. We have talked about Canada. We've mentioned it. We just haven't covered it as extensively as we have... Russia, and we've been covering Russia since Kazakhstan, okay? <laughs> or election integrity and election fraud. Okay, now that that is said, hey, Sumter53, how's it going? Thank you for donating the two cans over there in uh, Pilled and at Foxhall. I appreciate you and your donation. And also, American West is in the house. Pedo Media. Hey, I should add that to the list, right? I'm going to be all the lame stream, shame stream, fake stream, uh, fake stream, fake legacy... I'm getting my words minced. The mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedo media. <laughs> oh, that list is just going to get longer, American West. That list is going to get longer. Uh, Dale777's in the house as well as Skeeter Burke. Hey, Miss Burke, I sent you an email, honey. Let me know if you got it, uh, if you're awake. <laughs> she said she's napping. Oh, Miss Skeeter Burke. I love me some Miss Skeeter Burke. All right, guys, let's get with it today. Now, we're going to start with, um, well, we typically do start our shows with a statement from President Trump. Uh, today, we are going to do a mixed, we're going to do a hybrid of an article and a Trump statement to piggyback onto what's going on with Ukraine. Uh, this comes from Breitbart, actually. Donald Trump slams Biden for losing to Putin. Wink sanctions are insignificant. And yeah, and the reason why I want to start off with this is because we read this, we read this statement yesterday. But uh, more to focus on the sanctions, right? Because we have people in Ukraine. Oh, not Zelensky, though. We're, we're, Zelensky has, as to my knowledge, hasn't said much about, you know, the situation. He's taking pictures with, like actors or celebrities or something like that he's not <laughs> he's not there like with his troops or whatever and where are his troops right where are his troops no one knows for all we know the only forces fighting the russians in ukraine are the neo-nazis <laughs> the only people fighting the russians in ukraine are the neo-nazis and the mercenaries and the war tourists and everyone else that we talked about yesterday that does not belong there oh the nato forces oh i guess i I guess, you know, Ukraine's military is not going to fight Russia. It, they're going to leave it to the NATO alliance forces to go fight Russia, right? They're going to send Americans in there. They're going to send Brits in there. They're going to send, I think, the, I think UK and United States are the only ones that are sending in people, right? Oh, you know, maybe Estonia is or, you know, maybe Latvia or some, one of those other Baltic nations. But regardless, sanctions is all they're getting, guys. Sanctions is all they're getting, and we have some really, like, 
deep state, like goblin kind of people that are all saying, sanctions are not enough. We need ground troops in there now. We need, we need, we need force and fire right now. And you know why? Because they're destroying their globalist strongholds in Ukraine. And they're destroying probably their biolabs. We're going to look at the biolabs, guys, because that is uh, word one on the street right now. I'm not talking about Alex Jones, okay? People are like, Alex Jones was right because in uh, January 2021, he said there was going to be a full-scale invasion in Ukraine in February. Well, freaking Alex Jones is like, he's like a deep state operator. Of course he's going to get some of these things right. He has intel right from the hub. He was put there to do just that. He's a Judas goat. He will take you far enough. And I don't, I don't mind if I upset some of you guys with this, but the man works for the Stafford group. Okay. I've seen the emails. I've seen the checks. The Stafford Group is the PR firm for the military-industrial complex in Austin, Texas. What don't we understand about that? Now, if we want to go to Alex Jones for intel, like, just like sometimes we will read enemy papers, right? Like, you know, whatever you want to call them. CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, Vox, uh, you know, Media Matters. We'll look at the enemy papers to see what they're projecting, see what they're telegraphing. If you want to use Alex Jones for that, fine. Okay, people are like, well, they censored Alex Jones because he was right over the target. He was part of the entire censorship, guys. Hillary Clinton called out Alex Jones. She called him a dark heart. Look up the reference. Dark heart. There's a direct reference to a military operator who was censored. Okay, his book was censored. It was a signal. It was to say, when I say dark heart Alex Jones, that's when you censor yourself, Alex. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, because if Hillary Clinton could censor Alex Jones, she could censor anybody. She could censor me. She could censor anyone on these platforms because they took down Alex Jones. He was part of it. Okay, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, guys. It's okay. All right? I used to listen to the man, too. I'm not just a woman scorned, okay? (laughs) But when you know what this guy did and who he worked for, I just think it's important for perspective. If you want to go to his uh, and look at his work as a good way to telegraph the future, because it is going to be 90% correct, guys. It's designed that way. He is, he is a, he is controlled opposition, which means they're going to give him correct intel and he's going to steer you away from the most important things like save the children. When we were doing save our children, what was Alex Jones doing on international child sex trafficking awareness day when it was at the height, the whole Q movement and every mother and patriot and even Democrats were all up in arms because of this entire child trafficking, uh, not scared, this entire child trafficking pandemic. Okay. And, and right when it was at the pinnacle, at the height of its attention, Right when, and everyone around the world was having a march, everyone around the world was having a rally on the same day, at the height of it, Alex Jones took you guys swimming in Barton Creek, okay, to go, to go, to go drink water with the gay frogs, and I might add, so did, so did Brandon Straka, okay, Brandon Straka from Walk Away did the same shit, okay, and that's when I recognized those two. 
as immediately controlled opposition. You can't tell me otherwise. I rest my case. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, now back to what we were saying, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Donald Trump. Okay. Oh yeah. Putin and uh, sanctions. Okay. So, you know, you got these people calling for sanctions and that's all that they're getting. That's all that they're getting. They're not getting any military uh, might. They're not. And they kept saying they were going to send troops in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. During the presser, during the presser that the Pentagon was giving this afternoon, okay, like uh, you had, you had this, you had the, 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 um, the press corps kept asking him, can you give us a number of troops? Can you give us how many boots are in the ground? Can you tell us how many uh, troops are in standby? Can you tell us how many troops are going to be, be sent over? Can you tell us what kind of, you know, and the guy could not answer any of those questions. And, uh... They can't send all those troops to Ukraine. Do you want to know why we cannot have boots on the ground? Because this, this, <laughs> this military operation by Russia is going to be over by Monday, okay? They're going to look like fools, guys. Get ready for it, guys. Get ready for it. You guys, let's get our, let's get our banana cream pies ready, y'all. Let's get our banana cream pies ready to throw in their face because they're calling this a full-scale military invasion. They're occupying Ukraine, blah, 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 blah. And watch, watch Russia pull out by Monday, Watch them pull out by Monday and then watch Zelensky. And he's going to be like, well, it's a beautiful day in Ukraine. I don't know where the Russians <laughs> This is going to help destroy the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedo media even more. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be amazing. You heard it here first on the Sea Report. And if you hear it anywhere else... They were lurking. Aha! Okay, let's read this article from Breitbart. <coughs> Piggybacking on the sanctions notion, guys. All right. It says here, uh, former president, their words not mine, President Donald Trump slammed president, their words not mine, slammed resident Joe Biden on Tuesday for imposing weak sanctions on Russia while allowing it to become very, very rich and tripling and quadrupling oil prices. And we talked about that last night also, guys. And, and we talked about that a month ago as well. We talked about how what? We talked about how, uh, yeah, as it turns out, um, we've been buying oil from Russia quite heavily since uh, President Biden uh, plopped his uh, poopy pants into the seat. Uh, some seat. I mean, it's not the White House Oval Office seat, but it's some seat. Anyways, Russia has become very, very rich during the Biden administration with oil prices doubling and soon to be tripling and quadrupling. The weak sanctions are insignificant, uh, are insignificant relative to taking over a country and a massive piece of strategically located land, Trump said in the statement. Now it has begun. Oil prices are going higher and higher. And Putin is not only getting what he always wanted, but getting, because of the oil and gas surge, richer and richer. Trump continued about the high prices Americans are paying at the pump. According to AAA, AAA, the national average price per gallon on Tuesday was $3.53, up nearly a whole dollar from last year. Trump blamed the high gas prices not just on Biden's mismanagement of foreign policy, but on Biden's war on American energy independence. The U.S. was energy independent under the Trump administration, an independence that we had never obtained before 
and oil prices would have remained low, Trump said. Now, what a mess our country is in. Trump's comments come after Biden on Tuesday introduced sanctions on Russia for invading Ukraine. The White House initially did not call Sunday's invasion an invasion, but changed their mind Monday after numerous Republican senators continued to push Biden to take a much tougher stance against Russia. You, uh, you know, I know we're all paying attention to this, guys. I know we're all paying attention and all of us can clearly see the rhinos, right? We can, we can clearly see the rhinos. We got Lindsey Graham. We already knew Cocaine Mitch and all that stuff. But they're, they, why do you think that they have such vested interest in foibling a military operation to take out deep state globalists in Ukraine? Hmm? Hmm? What do you think, guys? Why do you think they have such a vested interest? Because they are on their side. All right. Senator Jim Risch, a ranking Republican on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said... This is precisely the kind of action that many of us expected, and it is one step closer to Putin's clear goal of dismantling Ukraine's sovereignty. The U.S. and our allies must immediately implement harsh sanctions that Putin cannot ignore. Like I said, guys, Putin will be sailing out of Ukraine by Monday, okay? He'll be sailing out of Ukraine by Monday, and uh, the mainstream media... And uh, the deep state department and uh, NATO and poopy pants Biden, but he already has his pants down. But when uh, Putin sails out of Ukraine by Monday, they're all going to be standing there with their pants down. Okay. <laughs> and I think maybe that's why CNN's not doing 24 hour coverage. Maybe it's not just because they don't have the uh, budget or the staff for it. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's why CNN's not... Because they're like, ah, crap. We're not going to get away with this one either. They don't know what to do, guys. They don't know what to do. Like, they ha like if, we were, if we were looking at a poker hand right now, right? If we were looking at a game of poker, you know, like, uh, they're twitching, right? <laughs> they're twitching because they have no power. They have nothing, Okay. And all they can do is force their bluff. And that's what they're, they're not calling it. They're forcing their bluff. And they, and they are utilizing the weaponized propaganda machine that is known as the media to help them fix their Twitch, if you know what I mean. Okay, like that is just the long and short of it, guys. This is what we're seeing. Putin is doing a military operation to take out globalist and deep state strongholds, interests, factories, laboratories, whatever. That's what he's doing. Okay. If, and this is how it stacks up from what Russia has said versus what the West has said. The picture we're seeing looks more like what Russia has said. And if a picture is worth a thousand words and we can look at it objectively and make a comparison between what the two sides are saying. Russia's side is truer than the West side. And the West side has been crying war for months, even though we're still buying oil from them. Even though we're putting sanctions on them, but those sanctions will not affect the oil that we're purchasing from them. What is up with that, Joe? <laughs> Debunking this entire supposed invasion right here on the Sea Report. That's what we're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, for the next couple of hours, I hope you guys are enjoying yourself. 
But that's the long and the short of it. You want to understand what's going on over there? That's what's happening, okay? That, in my opinion, my God, honest, gut-felt opinion is what's happening. I could be wrong, and if I stand corrected, you know, I will come before thee, and I will say I was wrong, okay? (laughs) But... Uh, we've been covering this since Kazakhstan, guys, and I haven't been wrong yet, okay? We've been covering this since Kazakhstan, and I haven't been wrong yet. So you heard all of this mostly here on the Sea Report first, and if you didn't, they were lurking. Okay, back to the article. Senator Tom Cotton also sounded off on the need for tough sanctions. President Biden's timid sanctions tonight are wholly unequal to this moment. Russia is invading Ukraine now. The time has come for the swift and severe sanctions that Joe Biden has long threatened but refused to impose. There's not a minute to lose. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's get Senator Ted Cruz's statement in here also, okay? Another, another good old boy. We trust this man. He's America first, right? All right, Tom Cotton. All right, Ted Cruz. If you guys really are America first, how come you haven't signed the letter of, uh, uh, the letter of decertification or the letter of, of audit? That's what I want to know, okay? Where do you two stand on election integrity in 2020? That's what I want to know. And I know, Ted Cruz, that you've been fighting for, you know, uh, election rights and strengthening our elections. But how come you haven't signed on, buddy? That's what I want to know. I'm in your state. I have the right to ask. Senator Ted Cruz says, The United States must impose devastating sanctions against Putin's interests, including immediate and mandatory sanctions permanently putting an end to his Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And what? And what? We need to get rid of 90% of the Republicans right now. And 95% of the Republicans in office right now are all rhinos. They need to go. They need to go. We're done. I'm done piddling around with people like Ted Cruz. Yes, he's done a great job. He's been pretty face forward, just like Rhino Abbott. He's just like Rhino Abbott. He's really good until he's, he's not good, okay? He's really good until he's not good, okay? But he hasn't signed on for election integrity. He hasn't signed on to decertify the, 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 uh, the, the 2020 election. He hasn't even cert- certified, signed on to, cer- to audit any of these states. I want to see his name on that bill, okay? I want to see his name. I want to see his name on that second declaration of independence. That's what I want to see. As far as Senator Tom Cotton, okay, okay. Word on the street is this man is aware of child trafficking operations in uh, in uh, in Syria, okay? In Syria, I've read the papers. The Syrian government has contacted Senator Tom Cotton multiple times, and they have said, "Look, we have this agency in your state, in Arkansas." That is running a child sex trafficking ring in our country. Do something about it, Tom Cotton. Cut them off at the knees in your state, Tom Cotton. They come from Arkansas, Tom Cotton. But Senator Tom Cotton hasn't done anything. Why not is all I got to ask. Right? That's Arkansas, right? Why did they put AK? Isn't that Alaska? <laughs> the rhinos got to go, guys. The rhinos got to go. All right, let's finish this article up. We, I, got, I got a treat for you guys next so that you can stop hearing all my heavy breathing, okay? Democrats blocked Republicans from implementing sanctions last week over fears implementation would reduce the U.S.'s leverage over Russian President Vladimir Putin. Yet sanctions are just one measure among many that can be utilized against Russia. Historically, Russia has been successful at evading sanctions imposed by the West. According to the Congressional Research Center, sanctions options include 
trade embargoes, restrictions on particular exports or imports, denial of foreign assistance, loans and investments, blocking of foreign assets under U.S. jurisdiction, and prohibition on economic transactions that involve U.S. citizens or businesses. Congress has the authority to issue sanctions, but in modern times have abdicated that responsibility to the White House. White Houses often don't like sanctions that are negotiated by Congress. They like to have the full leeway. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota uh, said, excusing Congress's abdication to Politico. Polling shows just 36% approve of how Biden has handled Russian aggression. I think that's because um, most Americans don't believe it. They think it's a bunch of they think it's a bunch of poppy squat. And I think it is too, but I'm pretty sure you guys could tell that. All right, guys. So uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the Laura Ingram interview with President Trump yesterday. And basically, you got the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird, pedophile media going on saying, Fox News person corrects President Trump. We debunked that last night too, guys. Before it even hit the headlines this morning, we debunked the hell out of that. The woman said it in a, she even, she's the one who made the statement. She didn't correct him. She corrected him because she said something convoluted and she said something that could be easily misconstrued for what? For United States is sending in MP. I even thought that she was, that's what she said. That's what I heard her say. We went back and we debunked it live on the air last night. What's going on, Katie Man? Katie Man says, I'm sad about the rhetoric from here in the United Kingdom. There are no prominent people reporting objectively about this. You, sir, are a thinker. I wish there were more like you over here. Oh, thanks, Katie, man. I appreciate that. It's good to see you again. We haven't seen you in a minute, sweetie. Hey, you know, spread my links, <laughs> share my work. Please, please, please. That's that's all I could. Ask. I, I have to stop asking. I have to say, share the link, click the like bell, click follow, whatever. I mean, because I don't know something about the way human mentality works. But OK, guys, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to listen to this uh, brief interview. Now, uh, this is from uh, Clay, Buck, and wait, Clay and Buck, right? It's it's like something Clay and Buck Sexton or something like that. Anyways, okay. Uh, they, they come on the air with uh, President Trump every now and then. Uh, I always enjoy them, but uh, this interview has also come under a firestorm, right? Because they say that uh, President Trump says Putin is a genius and and he handled it the right way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to listen to this interview so we can get kind of a feel for what is uh, the truth in what is being spread and lied about on the uh, the media and, and the like. So we'll take a quick break from my ranting and my raving, okay? <laughs> And we're going to check this interview out. Now, when we get back, we are going to touch the neo-Nazi topic in Ukraine again. Okay, we're going to drive this point home, guys. We're going to drive the point home that, yes, there are, in fact, neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And they keep saying there's not. They keep saying he's crazy. They keep saying he's a psychopath and he's lying. And and that's not all that they're saying. Okay, Um, Putin has also talked about genocide that there's genocide in the Donbass, 
And uh, now the mainstream media is saying, well, Putin used that as an excuse to go into South Georgia and I mean, to go into South to go into Georgia. And, and when they were having that uh, skirmish between South Ossetia and Georgia, well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into that, too, today as well, because uh, Putin did not invade Georgia. OK, just like Putin did not annex and have a bloody revolution of Crimea. All right. It's all lies. All lies. Okay, so we're going to take a look at that as well, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to debunk these buttholes harder than they've ever been debunked. We're going to pull that plug right out with no uh, Vaseline, ladies and gentlemen. And then we're also going to take a look at um, we're also going to take a look at what uh, Putin has been striking over there. Now, like I've been saying since at least last night. Uh, that it seems to me, when we read Putin's speech last night, we went through his speech, it was like a 21-minute speech to read, speed read. It was a long, he didn't just go up there and say, oh, we are taking care of the Nazis, and, and oh, we are doing that. He didn't just go up there and say that, guys. Like, he said a whole lot more. And uh, I would encourage you guys to look up the text of the speech, or if not, check out our show from last night. It's in the third hour that we reviewed that speech where he laid out every single thing that he was doing, why, and he also gave the entire world another historical perspective on the globalist elite running the United States of America and using their puppet nation states in NATO to try and cause conflict with Russia and destroy their country is a very, very good speech, guys. Okay, I think everyone who heard it last night, their jaw was on the floor by the end of it. Okay, because mine was, and I was reading it, all right? Uh, but we're, uh, what, what I'm thinking now is when Putin says it's a military operation, he's in there knocking out deep state and globalist, uh, you know, fronts and, and strongholds. That's what he's doing. And <laughs> the deep state can't do nothing about it. That's what's beautiful. Like, they can't do nothing. They could not even get the world riled up and in fear enough for them to make some kind of a strike that they could use as an excuse. Okay, like, Putin's going to be out of Ukraine by Monday. I bet you. Who, who, wants, who wants to bet me five bucks, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I bet you five bucks. Putin is out of Ukraine by Monday. And uh, you're going to see Zelensky just standing there waving. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Putin. Thank you for taking care of the Nazis in the deep state in my country, Putin. Bye. <laughs> okay, Putin, I'll let you have uh, the Donbass region, whatever. Anyways, okay. We're going to talk about that after this interview, so this way I can give my vocal cords a little bit of a rest. Uh, so uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Let me just make sure I got you guys set up for good sound. Uh, because like I said, this interview is also Trump is coming under fire for it, for the things that he said. So I figured why not play it? It has to do with Russia. It has to do with Putin. It has to do with Ukraine. Uh, so that could only be to our benefit, right? To, to consider that and to encapsulate it into this moment of time and truth that we are attempting to bring you here at the sea report. All right. We'll see you in a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the majestic Mar-a-Lago estate with 45 himself, President Donald Trump. And I'll bring you right in, sir, because I know our audience loves to hear from you. Buck and I have been walking around this estate. We had never been here before. It is absolutely incredible and phenomenal. How are you doing as we roll into what is going to be a really interesting 2022 season for sure? Well, we've been doing really well. And Politically, I guess you see the polls, and the polls for me have never been higher. And I guess against Biden, but who wouldn't be winning? If you look at what's going on, <laughs> right. I think anybody would be winning. You, know, you take uh, the 
the worst politician in America. I would imagine that that person would be winning. But the polls have been an extraordinary 96% approval rating. And I saw one this morning, 98%, but 96% approval rating in the Republican Party and doing well with independents, doing well with women, doing well with everybody. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that what I said was right. This is a disaster what's going on, whether it's Ukraine or the Afghanistan pullout, which I think was the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. I think that has a lot to do with what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, you look at inflation, you look at all of the different things that are happening so bad for our country, the border, who could forget the border, the millions of people, not 2 million or 1 million, like they say, I say 10 million, millions of people are, are bum rushing our country. And many of these people come from prisons, they're being let out countries, 127 countries now they have, but many of these countries are emptying their prisons, like we're a dumping ground right into our country. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I've, I don't think our country has ever been so low. You could take the five worst presidents in the history of our country and put them together. I don't think they've done the damage that this administration has done. Mr. President, in the last 24 hours, we know Russia has said that they are recognizing two breakaway regions of Ukraine. And now this White House is stating that this is an invasion. That's a strong word. What went wrong here? What has the current occupant of the Oval Office done that he could have done differently? Well, what went wrong was a rigged election. And what went wrong is a candidate that shouldn't be there and a man that has no concept of what he's doing. I went in yesterday and there was a television screen and I said, this is genius. Putin declares a big portion of the Ukraine, of Ukraine, Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. They were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. No, but think of it. Here's a guy who's very savvy. I know him very well. Very, very well. By the way, this never would have happened with us. Had I been in office, not even thinkable. This would never have happened. But here's a guy that says, you know, uh, I'm going to declare a big portion of Ukraine independent. He used the word independent. And we're going to go out and we're going to go in and we're going to help keep peace. You got to say that's pretty savvy. And you know what the response was from Biden? There was no response. They didn't have one for that. No, it's very sad. Very you, sad. Do you think the southern border is just going to continue to deteriorate? Last yeah. year, under the Biden administration, so so under your administration, you put in place remain in Mexico. You began building strongest the, border we've ever had. And last year was the worst by right. the numbers, not not yeah. a, a subjective yeah. analysis. The worst for illegal apprehensions at the border that we've ever seen since we've been counting. It's likely that this year will be worse as well. Do you think the yeah. American people? have finally seen enough and know enough about what's going on at the border that they'll take action this fall absolutely. in the midterms. Yeah, absolutely, Buck. I think they know and I see, think they see. And, you know, oftentimes they say, how could this be a 50-50 party system when you look at no voter ID, defund the police, sanctuary cities, open borders where criminals are allowed to pour in, when you look at people that can't even get out of, you know, I got it down. I wanted out of, after 21 years, I wanted out of Afghanistan. We were going to be out. I got it down to 2,000. We were getting ready to pull them out, but we were pulling them out with very great strength. We were going to keep Bagram, not because of Afghanistan, 
They spent billions building this base. It has the biggest and longest runways in the world. And it's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. So I was keeping that and keeping it in full force. But I was getting out of Afghanistan. And we would have gone at, gotten out with tremendous strength and dignity and power and respect. Instead, we looked like we surrendered. And, you know, we didn't lose an American soldier in Afghanistan for 18 months. I had a talk with Abdul, who's the leader. He's the current leader also. He was the leader, and now he's the current leader. And we had a very strong talk. And from the time I had that talk, not one American soldier was killed. And it was an amazing thing. Biden actually said that. He said, not an American soldier was killed in 18 months, and his people are screaming at him. Well, keep going. Find out something that was wrong. And he didn't do that. Uh, no, I was. Uh, we were going to pull out with great strength. We were going to keep Bagram. And uh, we were pulling out of other locations, too, where there's no reason for us to be there. They hate us. We don't particularly like them. And you look at NATO. I called it a paper tiger. I said, as soon as a problem comes up, you're going to have people that pull away. And I got them to pay $400 billion. You know, they were all delinquent. Not all. There were eight countries out of 28 that were paid up, including us. We were paid up. We were more than paid up. We were making up the difference. But we, had tw we have 28 countries, and eight were paid up. And you had 20 countries that were not. And I was asked a question by the president of one of the countries at a closed meeting. Does that mean, and you know, the press goes wild over this, but uh, does that mean that if something happened, and essentially Russia, because it used to be for the Soviet Union, but Russia, it's close enough in terms of militarily, as you probably noticed this weekend. But do you mean to say you wouldn't protect us? I said, you mean you're not paid up and you want us to protect you? I said, that's right. We will not protect you if you're not paid up. You know what happened? The next day, billions of dollars flowed in. How worried are you that the Biden administration might get dragged into the actual military conflict in Ukraine if it escalates? Well, I'd rather see them send soldiers to our southern border. I'd rather see them in three weeks. You could finish it. They won't even let Texas use our material, which is all bought. It's sitting there waiting to be put up. It could have been erected in less than three weeks. It took two and a half years to get started because we had to win 11 lawsuits. I'd rather see our southern border protected, but uh, I don't like the idea he's sending a small number of troops. It's a joke compared to what the other side has. You know, he sends 3,000 troops, I heard this morning. 3,000 troops, what's that going to do except get you in trouble? Uh, no, I would like to see our southern border protected, and uh, they are handling Ukraine so badly. And remember, and I put something out this morning, uh, Russia's becoming very rich because the oil price is being driven up so much, and that's their primary source of income so much that those army tanks you see going back and forth all over the place that's peanuts compared to the amount of money they're making forty dollars a barrel when i was there one dollar and 86 cents a gallon for gasoline and now you have some places where it's over seven dollars and it's going up a lot higher and it's bad inflation too no doubt 7.5 percent uh mr president i'm going to read you a tweet here from joe biden this is almost exactly two years ago uh Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Yeah. Almost two years to the day. Putin has invaded in Ukraine. Under Obama, Putin invaded as well. 
all the talk about your relationship with Vladimir Putin, and he certainly didn't try that with you. Why is he doing it to Biden? What do you think of Biden's bluster in that tweet that has not been reflected in the reality on the ground? Well, even Sleepy Eyes, Chuck Todd, said this weekend during his show. I was watching it for a change. And he said, how come there has been no you know, invasion during the period of time that the Trump administration was there? But they did invade, very severely invade with Obama, and then they waited, and then they invaded. This would never have happened if we were there. But he did. Chuck Todd asked that question. How come there was none of this was happening during the Trump administration? I knew Putin very well. I got along with him great. He liked me. I liked him. I mean, you know, he's a tough cookie. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, great charm and a lot of uh, pride. Uh, but the way he and he loves his country, you know, he loves his country. He's acting a little differently, I think. Now, I think he sees this opportunity. I knew that he always wanted Ukraine. I used to talk to him about it. I said, you can't do it. You're not going to do it. But I could see that he wanted it. And I, I used to ask him. We used to talk about it at length. I think nobody probably knows him better in terms of the discussions that we have or that we're having this morning. Uh, so I knew him. Uh, very well. I got to know him. I got to know President Xi. By the way, China's going to be next. You know, China's going to. You think they're going to go after Taiwan? Oh, absolutely. Not with me, they wouldn't have. But you uh, think with Biden, they'll oh, try. Yeah. They're waiting till after the Olympics. Now the Olympics ended, and uh, look at your stopwatch, right? No, he's uh, he wants that. Just like it's almost like twin sisters right here, because you have one that wanted that wants Taiwan. I think equally badly. Somebody said, "Who wants it more?" I think probably equally badly. But uh, no, Putin would have never done it, and she would have never done it. Mr. And also, North Korea has not acted up for four years. Mr. President, we want to uh, come back in just a moment here with you to talk to you about the COVID situation. Okay. I would say the COVID failures of the Biden administration. Right. Look at the numbers comparison. Also, perhaps the huge spike in crime that's occurred over the last year. We're talking to former President Donald J. Trump, 45 himself. Mr. President, thanks for staying along with us. We really appreciate it. You were the first one who had to, the first president who had to deal with the issue of COVID, the pandemic, the lockdowns, all of it. While you were dealing with that and during the election process, Joe Biden said, anybody who's had the number of deaths that have occurred should not be president anymore. When we do a 10-month, not even just a year-to-year, a 10-month to 10-month comparison of the pandemic, Joe Biden's numbers with the vaccine that he was bequeathed by Operation Warp Speed, substantially worse. What happened? How did we get to this place? So when we heard about this, nobody knew anything about it. Nobody had any idea other than I said very early, early on, it came, obviously it came from the Wuhan lab and I took a lot of heat. They said, oh, how could you do that? How could you do that? How could you say it? You know, when you see body bags lying all over the place around the Wuhan lab, it's not that hard, a, a guess, a guesstimate. But nobody knew anything about it. But we knew it was causing tremendous disruption in China and death. We saw a lot of death. You know, people don't talk about death in China because they don't give you exactly ac accurate numbers. If you listen to them, they were fine. They didn't go through it, but they went through a lot too. And they're going through a lot right now. Worse than it's late, but they're going through a lot right now. So I heard about it and we really mobilized fast and we made a lot of great decisions. And, you know, we were just discussing during the break about Fauci. Fauci wasn't a big player in my administration because I made the decisions and I made a decision to close our country to China because, you know, people were dying. And that was called racist, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, I took a lot of heat. 
uh, and uh, very early. It was in January. Okay, so I almost immediately, which and there were 21 people in the room, and every one of them said, "Don't do it." And I said, "We're going to do it." And Fauci said, "Don't do it." By the way, they all said, "Don't do it." And then I also closed it shortly thereafter because I looked at what was going on in Europe and Italy and France and Spain in particular. But Italy was just unbelievable. And so I closed it up to Europe. And we saved hundreds of thousands of lives. But very importantly, I also, we activated and we've got tremendous amounts of gear and everything else, the ventilators. We became the ventilator king of the world, our country. And we was, actually, we, we solved that problem. It's a very complicated machine. More complicated, believe it or not, than building a car. It's complicated and expensive. And we mobilized, and we were building thousands within a short period of time. The team did a great job. And we were actually sending them to other countries that were unable to get them. So that was incredible. But we also got the gowns and the masks. We opened up factories that made men. Now we have so many masks, we don't know what to do with them. And now you're finding out the masks don't work that well. You know, it's like one of those things, right? It's certainly for the new variant. But uh, there's so many things that we did that was so good. And then I think what we do get great credit for, that they tried, but it didn't work, even their side said you can't do that, is Operation Warp Speed. And not only the fact that the vaccines were developed in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. They said it was going to take from five to 12 years. And I think without that, you would have had a 191700 million people catastrophe. But also the therapeutics, because the therapeutics, if you look at, you know, what's happened with Regeneron and the Eli Lilly product and so many. So we were involved with all of that. And it was really good. You know, we didn't hear the word mandate. Everybody wanted the vaccine when I was there. And we were doing a million shots a day. And we, you know, we mobilized and the military really did well, much better than their leaders uh, led them. I will tell you in the removal from Afghanistan that I can tell you. And they were doing really well. They were delivering them. And everybody wanted the vaccine. And once I was out, all of a sudden, people didn't want it. And that's how you started with this whole mandate thing, which is terrible, okay? Because you're forcing people. It's You know, you talk about liberty. You talk about freedom. We don't have to go into it too much, but it was a bad thing. But we didn't have that problem. Everybody wanted them. And then all of a sudden, it became such a disaster. But if you would have told me that... With all of the work we did, and I rebuilt the economy, I built it twice. Uh, and the first time, beyond belief, second time was, was getting really, really strong. And I handed that over. But if you would have said you would have had far more deaths with the vaccines, with the therapeutics, with all of the gowns and the goggles and everything that we got and helping the hospitals, then you had when people didn't know it, I would have said that's impossible. Do you think that kids should have to wear masks at school? No. This has turned into a big battle, and no. Biden has basically avoided answering that question or deferring to local cities and states. Do you think that kids at this point should be able to go without masks? Yeah, I do. I do. I think they should be able to go without masks. Uh, I think it should have ended a long time ago. Uh, certainly with the more serious variants, they weren't even affected. And this is a more contagious but far less serious. Uh, serious. So, But with the more serious, the kids... You know, there was a certain state that lost many people, but of the many people, thousands of people, but of the thousands of people, nobody, not one person was under the age of 16 or 17. I looked at that stat. I said, that's an amazing stat. Uh, and you can take a look, New Jersey, thousands of people died and virtually nobody was 
under, you know, was young. I think it was one person who had serious diabetes who was very, I mean, literally nobody. It's an amazing statistic. No, they shouldn't. And we have to get back to our lives. We have to get back to running the country. Uh, China did a terrible thing by allowing that to happen. Because China, if you really look, China stopped it from going into the rest of China. But they didn't stop it from going out to the world. But we did an incredible job. I, I was not, I probably will never be given the credit for it, but we, we loaded, you know, I used to use the expression, the cupboards were bare. Nobody had any equipment. They had no gowns. They had no goggles. They had nothing. They had no masks and they had no ventilators. And we had no, no anything. We didn't have vaccines. We didn't even know what this thing was. Don't forget, nobody had any idea what this was. We're saying, what is it? Mr. So Mr. President, I think we, we did a great job. We can keep you through. We would love to yes. hear what you have to say about the situation of the truckers and breaking that uh, protest movement up in Canada. I'm sure you have some thoughts about Justin Trudeau that you can share with us here in a few minutes, as well as your plans for the future politically and Truth Social, which we know has just launched yeah. this week. So. We are here right now with President Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago, the Clay and Buck Show. We're going to be back with Donald J. Trump in just a few moments. We are here at an incredible setting, Mar-a-Lago, with 45 himself, President Donald Trump, starting off the first hour Tuesday with all of you. And we'll dive right back into it with President Trump, gracious enough to spend time with us. The Canadian trucker story, Mr. President, has been a monster discussion all over the country and all over the world, really. You know Justin Trudeau. You had a relationship with him. What did you think of his response to the Canadian truckers? What do you think he should have done? And do you support the protest of those Canadian truckers? Well, I do support it, and I have great respect for them. And basically, their freedoms were being taken away with the mandates and other things that they were talking about very fairly. And I thought they were very brave. I thought it was uh, surprising in one way. I know Trudeau very well. Uh, he's never been happy with me because of trade, because they were really ripping us off this country. People have no idea. Canada was one of the worst, one of the worst. You know, you put China up there. The European Union was horrendous. OK, it used to bother me with the NATO. I'd say, you know, we protect you. We're spending all this money to protect you. And then you kill us on trade. But Canada was one of the worst. And I got that horrible deal known as NAFTA. One of the worst trade deals, probably the worst trade deal ever made. I terminated it. Everyone said it would be impossible. You know, I had to go through Congress. I terminated it, and we got the USMCA. And uh, USMCA, meaning Mexico-Canada, new trade deal. It's so good for our country. In fact, it's so good that Canada wants to renegotiate it, and they shouldn't do it. They shouldn't do it because we should have renegotiated NAFTA for 30 years, and they didn't do it. Uh, we should not do it. We got it done. We got it approved. They approved it. But Canada is very unhappy and Mexico is very unhappy. And, you know, in a way that makes me feel good. In another way, I'd like them to be happy. But I know them very well. But the USMCA has been a tremendous success for us, for the country. Mr. President, before we talk to you about your possible political aspirations, future, and what you're planning for the country, I want to ask you to look across the table for a moment at the Democrats. Clay and I have an ongoing discussion on the show about who is really going to be the standard bearer for them the next time around? It feels like Joe Biden, you look at the polls, you see him on TV. There's a recognition. This is a guy who, to say he's lost a step, I think, is kind, putting it gently. Clay and I have talked about possible other contenders stepping in for him, maybe the vice president, maybe somebody else even. What do you think, uh, who do you think will be the Democrat nominee or the Democrat standard bearer the next time around. Is Joe Biden going to run again or not? So I don't think so. 
I'm watching like you're watching, and I just don't think so. Um, I hope he does great for the country. It's, I think it's too late because I don't think you can do great for the country. There's been so much damage done that I think if he turned out to be uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln combined, I, I think the net result is so bad. I just don't think uh, he can do it. Uh, it's so far behind. What they've done uh, on energy, what they've done at the border, what they've done, the destruction to this country has been so massive. Uh, I don't think he's going to run. Or I don't think he's, you know, he could run and maybe uh, maybe somebody would run against him. And that's very rare that, that would something like that would happen. Uh, she doesn't seem to be very popular in the polls. And, you know, they always do the polls of me against him and I'm leading by a lot. Yes. But I was leading. I thought I, you know, was leading by a lot the day of the election, too. Right. So, you know, I was. But, you know, you got to be very careful with the election. You got to make sure the vote counters are on us. But uh, so I don't see him running. I, I see her running. Meaning Kamala. Kamala. Yeah. Because Hillary's Cause the other Hill, Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah. Well, I guess you can. You can include her in the she category, right? But it's possible. But I, I don't see Kamala. You know, she started off at 10 or 11, and she was hot. And by the time they went like four or five weeks, she was down to nothing. That's why it was such an unusual choice. And there was nobody meaner to Joe Biden than her. She called him everything. I no mean, doubt. She was calling him names that were horrible. So I said, you know, nobody could choose her and they chose her. But, you know, she was going the reverse. Usually you choose somebody that starts off at one and ends up at 15 or 20, you know, going like a rocket ship up. So they didn't. I, so I think she's going to certainly put a play in. It's possible. But I watched Hillary the other day. I just don't know if she has the energy. I don't know that she has the energy. I, I watched her. Look, we had questions when she fell into the car. Yes. When she her shoes fell off, when she couldn't lift her foot up in. She couldn't walk. She'd keep falling down, going into the airplanes. Remember the, mm -hmm. a lot of famous pictures? And then people put the golf ball and the baseball and all that stuff <laughs> in those pictures. You remember? They blame me for it. Oh, it yeah. Me. Right. They blame me for it. But I don't see it. But she's a very devious person. All you t have to do is take a look at the Durham report. You see how horrible and vicious. And even the things I go through where, you know, these are Hillary Clinton lawyers. That it just never ends. Do you so have faith in Durham to get the final answers here about the, it was a hoax. You were the, right. The, it and was, the spying it was on your oh, campaign, yeah. which you said, I mean, the 60 Remember minutes I clip yeah. and, and, and they said, and, oh, oh, there's no said, evidence of that Mr. President, yeah. do you trust 60 her? Minutes. She should, she should apologize. Cause she came at me. Oh, are you, you, there was no spying. Well, now everybody agrees. Even the Democrats, they just don't want to talk about it. And, the media doesn't like talking about CNN, it. MSNBC, the New York Times and the Washington Post almost all refuse to even cover that story when the Durham uh, yeah. Yeah. details. Do, came do out. you have faith? I in will Durham. say, though, the Washington Post. Sort of apologized for their coverage. The Times didn't. Yeah, right. But but the Washington Post sort of apologized. Maybe Jeff Bezos is trying to get in your good graces. Well, the Washington Post, that whole thing in Atlanta where I have a perfect phone call. And all of a sudden, they think I'm trying to, and I'm oh, the president, yeah. that whole thing. And they gave phony information to the Washington Post. And the Washington Post had a major retraction of that story. I mean, the Washington Post, in all fairness, I'm not saying great, because certainly not great at all. But the Washington Post did apologize for a lot of the mistakes that were made. But the Times has it. They, I, I wouldn't say they doubled down. They sort of just don't want to talk about it, because you can't double down. So Durham has been, he, he's, he works slowly. And a lot of people were really angry, but he, he has brought out some devastating blows. And if you really look at it, if you know what this is all about, that's just a foundation. 
that's a foundation for some very, very big stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to be more and more impressed with Durham. We have to ask you or else our audience will be agitated with us. What is your certainty right now? We know it's a ways out, but what is your certainty that you will be running again for president of the United States? Well, Buck, I love the country. I have never seen anything like what's happening right now. And everything I've said is, is correct. I said about the energy, he killed the energy the first day. I mean, the first day, first thing he did was kill the Keystone pipeline, Keystone XL pipeline. And he never said he was going to do that. He said, we'll look at it. Well, he looked at it for, what, two hours? Uh, what he's done is so devastating. You know, people don't realize that I stopped the Russian pipeline. It was dead. He came in and he immediately let it proceed. And it's one of the reasons. The money is so enormous. I mean, that was, you know, it's an amazing thing. It's the biggest thing they've ever done. Russian pipeline. More money. Billions and billions of dollars a day. Billions of dollars a week pouring in. I stopped it. Totally stopped it. Putin even said, you're killing me on the pipeline. I said, sorry, I have no choice. It's wrong. Okay. He approves it. But then they say, oh, Trump was nice to Russia. I wasn't nice to Russia. And by the way, I do want to get, I think getting along with Russia is a great thing. We could have done tremendous, they have tremendous land, they have tremendous resources, and they need our help too. Now, of course, they're making so much money because of what's happened with the costs of, I mean, these barrels are going to be selling for Two hundred dollars. They were thirty nine, forty. They were thirty. It went negative in the twenties. Remember oh, during? Oh, we um, had a period of time where, if you, it was no good for Wall Street because they don't carry oil. But if you actually took a barrel of oil out, we had so much oil because of certain things that we did, which were great. But if you took a barrel of oil, they gave you thirty seven dollars. In other words, you walk away with thirty seven dollars yes. plus a barrel. Now it only lasted for two and a half hours. But during that period, not quite as good as that, during that period, you know, I filled up the strategic reserves. Nobody ever talks about that. 75 million barrels of oil I bought during that period of time. I said, let me, tell me about the strategic reserves. I've heard about it all my life. Hasn't been filled up in 50 years. In fact, it's been empty for many years. And that's meant for war. It's a 75 million barrels I bought and we made a great deal. And now here's the bad part. Biden is using that to try and get the energy. But number one, it's not enough. And number two, it's very artificial. And it's not supposed to be that way. That's meant for war. But I filled up the strategic reserves at that time. One more question for you, if you'll stick with us uh, to come back. We want to know, are you looking at vice presidential candidates or not? I'll let you think (laughs) about it during the break. I'll have to think hard. (laughs) We're here in Mar-a-Lago with President Trump, who's been so kind as to give us some of his time today. Uh, and also host us at this majestic yes, place. This place yeah. is amazing. Mr. President, uh, really a, a, a twofer here. Are you running and who's running with you? We, we got to push you on this one. Or who are you thinking about running with you? And also, you got to tell everybody, are, are in your mind, 100% you're running? Is that where you are? So I think you'll be happy. Let me put it. You know, you have campaign finance laws, so you can't talk about this stuff. So I won't. But I think you'll be happy. I really okay. believe you'll be happy. I know you guys very well. I've known you for a long time. And you show, I have to say, congratulations. You're knocking it dead. And that's good. Rush would be proud of you. Thank you. want to know the truth because he was a spectacular person. Who would you be thinking about, though, as a vice president? And maybe a broader uh, part of the question is who's getting it right right now for the GOP? Who well, are the people that you're seeing and you're saying, you know what? Yeah. You know, because we're going into the midterm here. It's yeah, important. Right. You know, I, think a, have- I think a lot of people are doing really well. I think the Republicans are doing really well. Uh, you have 
I, I really believe, first of all, I don't think anybody, very rarely do you see somebody voting for a vice president. Okay, that's, you know, it's a big deal, and yet people don't vote for the vice president. But we have a lot of good people. I have a lot of people calling me all the time. They want to be considered because we're doing very well in the polls. In the polls, where uh, they say, if he doesn't run, who do you think? And then they start getting in. But if he does run, there's like a 70-point gap. Yeah. 70. That's a lot. Uh, but I will say there are a lot of great people. We have a lot of great people in the Republican Party. I think we're going to have a tremendous midterm. And then I think in uh, 24, we're going to do, it's going to be very successful, and we're going to bring our country back. You've got right now, I think, or at least we were when we came in, the number one app in America, Truth Social, which is yeah. a big part of your battle in the social media space. What do you expect and hope to do with that business? Well, it's become a big deal. I, look, everybody's been terminated or the, it's become very boring. You know, Twitter is boring as hell now. This, it, they miss you. Well, they really do. They said, he said, the worst business decision he made was getting Trump off. There's nobody to fight with anymore. And <laughs> that's Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Dorsey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's made that statement to, I hear numerous people. And the same thing with Facebook. They're dying. You look at Facebook, the first time ever where they went down in stock tanked. The stock is tanking. And you see what's happened with, with what's going on with Truth Social. You know, it's very interesting. I said, do you think we can get the name Truth? They want to get a name, right? You know, they want a name, like Tweet, okay? A Tweet. They'd like it to be five letters. So they always has an X, you know, put an X in front. Cause I, so they've gone through all these crazy names that nobody. I said, do you think you could get the name Truth? They said, absolutely not. There's no, I said, give it a shot. The name Truth was available, and we got it for a very tiny little price, and it's such a great thing. And their minds are blowing because Trump has the name Truth. So there's five letters, and what's better than Truth? Speaking of untruth for a second here, Mr. President, did you break CNN? Because it looks like they're having a really tough time. It looks like that's a place that is in free fall. Obviously, as you know, Zucker is out, yeah. and it was really weaponized against you as a network among other places for four yeah. years but are they it feels like that place will never recover from its all-out assault on trump well they are broken i looked at their ratings the other day and they're in very very bad shape i know zucker very well he actually signed me for the apprentice if you can believe it that was the last good thing he did i suspect and we had a great run we went uh, 14 seasons which was you know an incredible show and uh, I, I recommended him for that job. Can you believe it? I recommended this guy for the job. And then about a month in, he had no thought of, he never thought, of, he was number five out of five. There were five candidates. I was sitting next to the head of Time Warner. What are you working on? It was at a boring deal at the Plaza Hotel. I said, what are you working on? Who are you? What's your name? He told me, I said, oh. So I figured I'd try and help Jeff Zucker out. I call him up. I said, you got the job? He goes, no way. I said, I'm telling you, you got the job. Next day, they call him. They say, he got the job. He calls me. He says, thank you very much. A month goes by. He takes over the job. They start hitting me. And that was their business model to hit me. And I'll tell you what, it was a disgrace. Jeff Zucker is a disgrace. So uh, just one of those little things. I've had some other people. And then you also have people that are great and loyal. We have to mention that also. That's not as exciting, but we have to mention that also. But CNN has really done badly. And MSDNC, as I call it, as some people call it, because that's what it is, uh, MSDNC is uh, doing horribly. You know, I always thought NBC would treat me great because I did so well for them on The Apprentice. We, we many times had the number one show on television. We did great. Our finale, I think, had 42 million viewers. That's like 
you know, unheard of today. Oh, unheard of. And NBC has been terrible. You know, fake news, total fake news. And NBC has been bad and ABC. One thing I would say, and this is why your show is so important. If we don't straighten out the honesty of the media, this country is going to have a hard time ever coming back. They used to be a watchdog. Now they're just a lapdog. You got people listening all across the country, Mr. President. You got about a minute. What do you want them to know? Because right now, a lot of them are writing into us. They're worried. They're worried about what's happening in this country. Our country has never been in a situation like this. Our, our media is broken and corrupt, as you look at, like, CNN as an example. But uh, you look at the Times and you look at what they write, and it's so wrong. It's so wrong. And it's been so wrong. The Russia, 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 everything. We're going to come back. We're going to come back strong. We'll be bigger and better and stronger than ever before. Something's going to happen. Last question for you, and this is a fun one because I know you're a big sports fan. Tom Brady retired. Yeah. Do you think he's done, or do you think he'll come back and play? I know you've had a relationship yeah. with him over the years. He obviously had a very good final year with the Bucks. Kind of suddenly retired. You think it's done, or do you think he'll come back? I think he's coming back because I watched the way he – you know, everyone said he was retiring, but he didn't sort of say that. I think he might come back. And if you look at statistics, he was leading virtually every category. He was incredible. Well, I hope he comes back. He's a great guy. Mr. President, we really appreciate you spending the time with us today. We know the audience did, so thank you so much. And uh, we also appreciate being able to hang out with you in Mar-a-Lago. So you let us know where the next Clay and Buck show gets to happen. We'll be there. You. You, you, yeah, you tell us where we'll be. And we've also got some fantastic guests today that I know are joining us where people you're endorsing as they are running. So we're going to have uh, Her- Herschel Walker joining right. today. He's That's right. Gavino. we got a whole bunch yeah. of great guests planned. We just want to say thank you so much for the hospitality and, and also for the four years you served your country. It was it was a great time, sir. It was a great time. We appreciate it. Thank you both very much. Thank you so much for being here. I am, I your, am voice. your voice. So to so every, to parent, every parent who dreams, who dreams for, their child, for their child, and every and child, every child who, dreams who dreams for their future, for their future I say, I these, say words these words to you, to you tonight. tonight. I am with I you. I am with you. I will fight, I for, will you, fight for you. And I will and win, I will for, win you. for you. tonight in all of in our cities, all of our cities and in all and of our in towns, all of our towns i make i make this promise we will make we will make america, america strong, again. strong again we will we make, will make america, america proud again we will we make, will make america, america safe again. safe again and we, and will, we make will make America, America great, great again. again. God bless God you. Bless you. Good night. Good night. I love you. I love you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome back. Just thought I'd throw that palate cleanse out there, although we didn't need it, ladies and gentlemen. But I mean, come on, that's our president, guys. So. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that scandalous, scandalous interview, right? President Trump sure is coming under fire. Why? Because uh, uh, Trump dared to utter words like savvy, 
genius. And he was saying these things about Putin, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, as you might be able to guess, uh, it just, it sent, it is sent to the uh, lamestream media into a fire, into a firestorm. So as I was saying, uh, yes, that was a great interview. Indeed, it was a very good interview, Joyful Lily. It, uh, so many questions, very casual conversation. But of course, they asked so many things about, you know, his opinions on uh, what was going on in, uh, in Ukraine, etc., 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 Russia, 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 China, etc., all that other stuff, you know, all that other stuff. So, uh, but, but yet, it has sent the lamestream press into a firestorm. Because um, they, they're hearing uh, him call Putin uh, this great, you know, uh, strategic mind, basically. And, uh, and then lo and behold, two days later, Putin goes and uh, he begins a military operation in Ukraine. Okay, so that's where we are today. You know, we should go and review what the networks are saying, but we're not going to do it. The reason why I say that is because there's no telling what has happened. I mean, I don't think much is going on over there, to be quite honest with you guys. I think these people were forcing their bluff on the world this entire time. And uh, I, I just don't, I don't see as anything is going on. Like, what, did they blow something else up or what? Do we have, a, no, you know, there's no footage still. No, I'm looking at it on my uh, on my monitor here. There's no footage at all of, uh, you know, troops on the ground. Uh, there's no footage of helicopters bombing and missiling places. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing. In fact, we even got a live screen shot of of Maiden, Maiden uh, was the Maiden Center right there in, in Kiev. And it looks peaceful. Are they being honest? Interesting. I don't see nothing going on here, guys. There's nothing going on. Okay. So I would say uh, the deep state, the globalist, and the media's pants are probably about just below the crotch, right? They're almost fully pantsed. Okay. <laughs> where is this? Uh, where is this full scale? In Has anyone ever seen a full scale invasion? Okay. Wherein. Uh, <laughs> By day two, there's nothing happening. <laughs> God, I love America. <laughs> oh, look at on this one. It shows uh, people returning home to Ukraine. <laughs> oh, wait. And now we have ABC News asking this question. Who is Ukrainian President Voldemort Zelensky? Well, what do they want to know about him now? Uh, why didn't they want to know about him uh, years ago? Like, say when he got elected, right? Are they going to start to push this card? Are they going to start to say, President Voldemort Zelensky works for Russia and he is an agent of Putin because he allowed Putin to come in and destroy the globalist stronghold laboratories and, uh, and armories that they would have used to carry out war in their region. Stands to reason that that's where this, uh, that's where this storyline could go, guys, because at this point, they're totally lost. They totally lost. They're totally defeated. Ladies and gentlemen, totally defeated. Let's get this show on the road, guys. As Microwave Marge would say, the show must go on. I'm going to clip that out, okay, so I can show it to you guys. And every time, every time we have like a, a technical difficulty or every time, you know, I just totally go off topic and we have to get back on the road. 
we'll play that. Just like we do the Rhino song, guys. Just like we do the Rhino song. Yes, JTBN, we are living in clown world. We are living in clown world. Okay, let's finish up with tonight's uh, show, guys. We still got a lot of points I want to cover as we continue to debunk the Russia-Ukraine crisis, or what we're calling the Russian military operation in Ukraine here at the Sea Report. I know that that doesn't sound as romantic and as sexy as the Russia-Ukraine crisis. What if we called this the deep state Ukraine crisis, right? Let's call it that. How about we call it the Ukrainian deep state cabal death rattle? (laughs) What if we call it Russia takes out the deep state in Ukraine, part one, okay? Because that is what is happening here right now. Okay, so Freeze One says, many in the Ukraine military are Nazified. Most of the people don't like them, so to them it's whatever, just don't kill us. You know, I, I would I could agree with that, Freeze One, but uh I haven't even seen any military Ukraine military out on we haven't seen anything from the Ukraine military. Okay, we have not seen Zilch Squat. They are in absentia. The Ukraine military. They're not on the streets in their capital ready to defend. They're not in Kharkov or Kharkov. They're not in Lviv. They're not in uh, Odessa. They're not in... They're nowhere. They, They are totally in absentia. Where is the Ukraine military? Even if they are Nazis, why are they not on the ground? Now, we know that the Nazis that are on the ground are the ones that have been hired to defend the sovereignty of Ukraine in the Donbass region. Which, again, it makes no sense, guys. Why would the Ukraine government hire neo-Nazis, far left or far right, to defend their sovereignty in the Donbass? Why wouldn't they send their own military to do that? It makes no sense, okay? Unless... Ukraine has nothing to do with the Donbass region, and that's all globalist interests in that sector. And, uh, and it is uh, separatists who want to be free from their tyrannical grasp, who are now being uh, declared or recognized by Russia as its own sovereign nation, okay? And, and, uh, and the whole reason why that would be particular is because that is what... Uh, a mineral wealth, uh, oil rich, uh, a lot of natural resources in that. And there's no telling what else is over there. Maybe they got some, maybe they got some uh, uh, new age, uh, you know, uh, med bed pyramids over there. Or maybe they have like alien technology over there that we don't know about. Oh, what is Mr. C talking about? Is this Mr. C in the dark? No, ladies and gentlemen, the sun is still up in Texas, okay? All right, so uh, we know, guys, we know. JTB says Soros paid for it. Undoubtedly, someone paid for it. Now, we know that Soros is not the top of the pyramid, but he's pretty high up there on the way down, right? He's pretty high up there on the way down. So, yeah, fancy fancy absent, says BrainPod. Indeed, right? (laughs) Where are they? Where are they? Why are why are they hiring mercenaries? Why are they hiring war tourists? Why are they hiring Nazis? Why are they recruiting Nazis around the world to come fight in Ukraine? Why isn't the Ukraine military doing it? Why would Zelensky not have the Ukraine military do that? Okay, we know. 
we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the deep state under the Obama administration during the regime change in 2014 under the auspices, the overseeing of one Victoria Newland, utilized, hired, and employed neo-Nazis to cause that colored revolution in Ukraine. And now these same Nazis are up in the Donbass region fighting for the sovereignty of the area. Why? Putin said he's going into Ukraine to denazify the country, okay? And the world is calling him a crazy psychopathic lunatic liar, okay? Pictured on the screen here, guys, there's your Nazi troops in Ukraine. Because everyone's saying it's not true, let's debunk it, okay? Everyone's saying these guys don't exist, well, here they are, okay? These are not old pictures. These are, these are pretty fresh within the last decade, okay? But, you know, sooner than that, okay? More recent than that. I just say that to, uh be conservative. All right. I have, I have a fault at being conservative sometimes, guys. Please excuse me. Okay. (laughs) But here's some more of them. Here's more of them. Okay. Now this photo is specifically from about 2014-ish when you had that whole incursion happening. All right. You had the Azov Battalion. You got Nazi insignia. You got Heil Hitleridge going on here, guys. Like, this is real stuff, but the world is saying, oh, Putin's crazy. Putin is crazy. He, there's no such thing as Nazis. Well, he never said Zelensky was a Nazi. He never said that the Ukraine government proper was a Nazi. Never said that at all. Nope, never said it. He said he's going to denazify the Ukrainian government because they've got Nazis working in Ukraine. And that's what Putin's doing. It's a military operation. That's why... They keep trying to, you know, they keep trying to pass this over, right? They keep trying to, uh, they keep trying to say this is an invasion. This is an occupation. But I'm telling you, Putin will be out of Ukraine by Monday. (laughs) He'll sail away, sail away by Monday. And, uh, you know, and they'll be standing there with their pants down, wondering where their war went and why they look so stupid on the world stage. And, uh, how it is that people can see through their lies and their propaganda. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. Okay, so we've already talked the neo-Nazis, though. We've already talked this up. We've talked this up for episodes, right? We've already debunked this, but we're going to give you a little bit more here. Just to, just, to, just to make that icing on the cake a little thick. Let's see what we got here. This article comes from Veterans Today. All right. Now, I don't always trust veterans. You want you anytime you hear veteran or anytime you hear someone's in the military or, or served in the armed services, you want to trust them. As patriots, we want to trust them. They're not all trustworthy. Just look at Dan Crenshaw. And some of them are shills. Some of them are sold out, even though they took their oath. Let's be real, guys. Now, I never approach someone in the armed services with that attitude. I look at what? I look at the fruit that they produce ladies and gentlemen, and I look at the lies that they spew, all right, or the misinformation. Now, so, you know, I respect, because that's something I've never done, but I respect that more than anything in the world. And uh, I just got to say, if we're being honest with each other, if we're being honest with each other, absolutely. Um, It's true. You guys know it's true, right? (laughs) Death Blossom 17. Hey, buddy, don't worry. I still love you, okay? Death Blossom says, no, see, I meant the troops in Ukraine. The false flaggers are feds. Yeah, they are mercenaries. They're Nazis. They're federal agents. 
and they're uh, roping in our good boys and women to go work with them, which is disgusting, guys, that they're making our troops work side by side with these neo-Nazis. Uh, I haven't seen what this is. Do y'all guys want to see what this is? It says uh, right-wing militias border security operations. You want to check it out? Let's check this out, okay? Because I, I don't know what this is. Let's expand it. Oh, wait. I have to exit full screen. This looks like it could be interesting. You know what? Fine. We'll go to YouTube. We're going to the hollowed halls of Susan. Okay. This tab is unmuted. All right. Let's take a look at this. Inside a right-wing militia's border security operation, guys. So, uh, again, this is uh, stuff that's going on in Ukraine. Let's make sure we got... Oh, it's from Mother Jones. How gross. Mother Jones senior reporter Shane Bauer goes undercover to report on the 3% United Patriots, a right-wing militia operating, oh, on the U.S.-Mexico border. Okay, well, this is not neo-Nazis from, uh, from Ukraine, but uh, it could be interesting. Let's take a look, and then we'll see how this works in context uh, with the article from Veterans Today. All right, let's go for it. This is exciting. All right, let's do this. Oh, wait. I can't get it. <laughs> we have throughout the country groups of armed men, mostly white men, that see themselves as a defense against the federal government. All our protesters are vowing to occupy a federal building in Oregon for as long as it takes. Three members of a right-wing militia were arrested. Armed supporters pointing guns at federal law enforcement officers. A lot of these militias were born basically after Obama got elected. The initial movement in the 90s died down after George Bush uh, was elected, and as soon as we elected the first black president, membership skyrocketed. Shane Bauer is a senior reporter for Mother Jones. He went undercover to report on the three... Blah, blah. When I set up my Facebook page and whenever I reached out to these guys, I used my real name. Had they Googled me, they would have seen that I was a senior reporter at Mother Jones and they probably would not have allowed me into their organization. There's armed guards at the base, guys with AR-15s kind of patrolling it. I just kind of rolled up, had my camo on. They didn't really ask any questions. These guys were really amped up. And a lot of them were military veterans that had served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I was always worried when I was out on these things that we're going to actually run into somebody. My understanding was that if we did run into into somebody, we were to call the base and the base would call the border patrol. We're not supposed to shoot anybody um, unless somebody shoots at us. But when we're going out on these operations, guys are talking about hunting Mexicans. I mean, the stuff they're saying is like, it doesn't, it's not hard to imagine a situation in which they're shooting somebody. If I can slay me a body today, I'll be What's that? If I can slay me a body today, I'll be
like pretty constant the things that they would say about Mexicans and black people. Some of the guys would use the N-word. Actually, there's some damn good looking boogers compared to like East Aurora. I don't know how I feel about this. It's leaving a pretty bad taste in my mouth, guys. <laughs> okay, so do you see why I don't like veterans today? You know? <laughs> so somehow, veterans today, we're still going to look at the article. Okay, we're still going to look at the article. Sorry, guys, if you wanted to see this, but this, 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 uh, this, uh, what is that guy's name from that, that band, that Bennington guy? This gay Bennington lookalike <laughs> who's sitting here complaining about shooting Mexicans with a racist group of Americans. Uh, I just interesting. It would be interesting to note exactly how Veterans Today is going to conflate this little thing, right? He's like, I'm tough. I've got gauges. <laughs> Chester Bennington. This is gay Chester Bennington, okay? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I was afraid I was going to have to shoot a Mexican. <laughs> what the hell? Okay, this has nothing to do with neo-Nazis, okay? Bad job, veterans today. Bad job. Bad. It's a bad veterans today. <laughs> bad. I'm not going to play the rest of this video. This is just bullshit. Okay, so hold on. I can't. I cannot. No. Sorry. Do you guys want to see it? If y'all want to see it, I'll play it. But I don't want to see it. I'd rather get to the article. Okay, this was just a deter. You know what this was? This was, oh, let's look at the video so we don't have to read the article. And we'll never know about the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Okay, so let's get back to, let's get back to the article. Let's get back to the meat and potatoes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're here for, right? We don't want none of them vegetables. <laughs> we want the meat and potatoes. All right. Ukraine's neo-Nazis trained United States white supremacists, FBI. Okay. Here's where we get into the thick of things, ladies and gentlemen. It says, Four members of the Rise Above movement, described by the FBI as a white supremacy extremist group, were indicted for conspiracy to riot over the 2016 violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, among other things. Okay, so I'm, I, we're going to read the rest of this article, but I'm like, now we're talking about Charlottesville. Okay, but I'm glad that they brought up Charlottesville. Do you know why? Okay, you remember the tiki torches, right? Do you remember the tiki torches in Charlottesville? Okay, all right. People were so surprised that the tiki torches actually happened in Ukraine. Okay, now, the last time I mentioned this, and uh, that's right, uh, Mr. Sean Joe, good to see you in the audience. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had, uh, we talked about the Azov Battalion. Did you get that from me, Sean Joe? Because we've been talking about that and I know you're always in the audience. All right, here we go. Let's see here. Do you see this? Do you see this? This is Ukraine. All right. Do you see this, guys? Let's take a look. All right. People are like, what? What? There they are with their tiki torches. Do you see them? 
Let's let's pull up multiple pictures, okay? Let's pull up multiples. All right, let's get let's so we can have a whole photo gallery of these uh, these neo-Nazi racist twats. All right, because the whole mainstream media is saying that Putin is crazy and there's no such thing as Nazis and there was n- these guys did not assist with the colored revolution in Ukraine. Okay. Oh, look at they're they're holding up a picture of Mr. Bandera, Mr. Bandera. Okay, so this is what you got going on in Ukraine. This is who uh, this is who Putin is taking out. But the the media is not going to let you believe that the media wants you to believe that that Putin is lying. Okay, let's let's just do a photo retrospective. Okay, now this lady right here. Do you see that? Oh, wait, let me let me expand that for you guys. This lady right here is like, I'm just here because they paid me. Teehee. Okay, so like, let's move on. Okay, hold on. Okay, here's them with their tiki torches. They're holding up Mr. Bandera. Was it Stephen Bandera, right? Like one of the biggest genocidal maniacs during the, 19, uh, the World War II era, right? Okay, and then here's some more of them. Here they are in Ukraine holding up their torches. Now, these aren't exactly tiki torches, not like they had in Charlottesville. They, they didn't get as fancy as the racist, uh, the racist plants, the FBI shills in Charlottesville. But they had tiki torches. They did. Here's some more of them. There's Ukraine. Okay. There's your, there's your non-existent neo-Nazi force in Ukraine. These are the ones that Putin is not taking out. Okay. Here's more of them. Here they are with their torches marching in Ukraine. All right. That's them right there. They're the ones that don't exist. They're the phantom Nazis that Putin is using because he fell off his rocker and he thinks that uh, he's gone senile, right? Look at tiki torches. Look at that tiki torch. Look at that. That is a handsome tiki torch, ladies and gentlemen, if I do say so myself. (laughs) What do you guys think? They also look like Antifa, don't they? Don't they look like Antifa? These neo-Nazis that don't exist in Ukraine that Putin is not taking out right now with a military operation? Hmm? 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 <laughs> this one's got two tiki torches. Come on, man. Stop hogging the tiki torches. Jeez. Uh, did, didn't I see you in Charlottesville? I think I saw this one in Charlottesville. Did you guys see this one in Charlottesville? <laughs> so there you go, guys. These are the neo-Nazis that don't exist in Ukraine that Putin is not taking... Oh, that's my, that's my sign. That's the old sign there, guys. The new one was uh, designed by uh, BrainPod there, doing a great job, by the way. So, all right. I just wanted to give you guys that photo retrospective of Ukraine in 2014. That was then and about surrounds the times of the, the, the Maidan re- colored revolution, guys. Okay. That's when you had these neo-Nazis running rampant over there. And uh, it, seems that, uh, it seems that they are hoping we had forgotten about that. You know, we, we don't forget many things here at the Sea Report. You know, you call me an elephant, but I have a pretty long memory, okay? Uh, you can call me a potato head. You can call me an elephant if you're talking about my memory, okay? So, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Judy the Ladypug, what's up, sweetie? Judy the Ladypug says, I think we should invest in pitchforks. Yeah, I got me some tar and I got me some feathers, girl. What you talking about, okay? All right, so thank you, veterans, today for trying to detour us or deter us with uh, Mexicans on the border 
and uh, bringing up the Charlottesville uh, a debacle. But hey, at least I was able to show you the tiki torches in Ukraine because of that. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Okay, let's get back to this article. It says, in the affidavit signed by FBI Special Agent Scott, I was carrying a tiki torch bearworth. 28-year-old Robert Rundo is said to have traveled to Germany, Italy, and Ukraine in the spring of 2018. So who's Robert Rundo? Is he possibly one of the four members of Rise Above Movement? Okay, now Rundo allegedly met with Olena Semenyaka, one of the officials of the National Corps, a political wing of the Azov Battalion. Based on my training and experience, I know that the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and use of Nazi symbolism, and which is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations, says Beerworth, who was an officer in the U.S. Army prior to joining the FBI. Now... One thing that you're going to hear about the debunking out there, guys, the debunking debunkers are going to tell you it's impossible for the Azov Battalion to have been involved in Ukraine because they didn't come into existence until six months after it started. That's what they're going to say. Go look. Go look at Schnopes and all those hookers and prostitutes that are now claiming to be political, uh, political geni- geopo- uh, geopolitical geniuses, and they're going to tell you that it's impossible because the Azov Battalion didn't even exist until six months after the Maidan Revolution. B.S., ladies and gentlemen. Every other paper I've read puts the Azov Battalion squaw in the middle of all of this, okay? So those hookers and those prostitutes over at Schnopes... Those cocaine addicts and crack hacks can go sit on one because we know it's not true, okay? And we have the articles to prove it here and tonight, okay? So the Azov Battalion started as a paramilitary group comprised of right-wing nationalists but is now part of Ukraine's interior ministry. Oh, oh, there are no Nazis in Ukraine, there's no such thing as a Nazi in Ukraine. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. Okay, so anyways. Okay, to reiterate, the Azov Battalion started as a paramilitary group comprised of right-wing nationalists, but is now part of Ukraine's interior ministry. It has patronage in the Ukrainian government with its former commander, Andrei Belitsky, now serving as member of the National Parliament. Oh, but there are no neo-Nazis in Ukraine's government. Putin was not calling Zelensky a Nazi. He was talking about some other people, okay? The United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights reported that members of the Azov Battalion were allegedly involved in various crimes during their employment to fight anti-government forces in the east of Ukraine. These included looting, unlawful detention, rape, and torture. Azov is by far the most notorious of the volunteer battalions established in 2014 after several regions of Ukraine refused to submit to the new government following a U.S.-backed violent overthrow of the president in Kiev. 
its logo features the Wolfshangel, the wolf's hook, which the Nazi party originally used as its symbol, and the Schwarzeson, the black sun, a symbol created by the SS leader Heinrich Himmler and representing 12 Sig runes of the notorious Nazi organization. While the United States Congress tried in 2015 to outlaw providing any U.S. aid to Azov, the Obama administration got rid of that provision in the 2016 defense bill. In any case, by that point, the unit had already officially incorporated into the National Guard. It is currently eligible for lethal assistance authorized by the Trump administration in December 2017. Now, I don't know much about that, so I would have to dig into it. It says here, though it has long been known that Azov and other Ukrainian militias have attracted volunteers with neo-Nazi sympathies from around the world, this is the first known instance in which the United States government has claimed the militia is involved in training and radicalizing American extremists. American extremists. So yeah, that's Veterans Today, guys. Now here is the Nazi Black Sun. That is the one in the center. There is your Azov Battalion emblem. Okay. And there's your emblem of the SS Division Das Reich. Ladies and gentlemen. In case you're not familiar with your Nazi insignia. But, uh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So there is that. Let's move along. What do we got here? Um, let's see here. Entirely defensive in nature, question mark. United States green light supply of lethal arms to Ukraine. Why did I bring this article up? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let me, let me, uh, let me get a fuller picture of this here. Mm-hmm. I think we can skip this one. Ever since the launch of the so-called anti-terrorist operation in eastern Ukraine, Kiev has repeatedly appealed to Washington's support in the form of lethal weaponry. Congress authorized export of lethal weapons to Ukraine back then, but Barack Obama was reluctant to supply the arms. Probably because he didn't want them to be able to stand up against the... against the... uh, against the... uh, Nazis... Amongst the list of measures, the 13-step memorandum obliges Kiev to import, implement comprehensive constitutional reforms which would decentralize the Ukrainian political system and give more freedom to the Donetsk and the Luhansk regions. Ukrainian authorities also pledged to extend amnesty, lift the economic blockade, and restore social payments in the breakaway regions. Okay. We'll skip this one. I don't know. This one I might have had just for my own perusal and... uh, put it in the story for today. Whoopsie, my bad. Okay, so let's look at this one. Praise of Ukrainian neo-Nazi battalion given green light by Facebook. This is from The Intercept on Zero Hedge. Okay, so let's check this out. This comes from Zero Hedge. I know people, no interest. Now, this is actually from uh, yesterday. So this is, an, this is a current article. Now, here's the thing, guys, is that when I go digging into the past, right, I don't just do a search. I have to do a dated search. 
Because if I want to find out about the history, for example, if I want to find out about the history of the Luhansk and the Donetsk region, uh, or sorry, I keep saying region, to be correct, the Luhansk and the Donetsk states in the Donbass region, I can't just look it up by typing it in history because I'm going to get psh, a thousand articles dated uh, February 23rd, 2022, because that's the current hot topic. I got to go back a couple of years. OK, so that Veterans Today Army uh, Veterans Today article I read you guys, it was from like 2020 when we're wondering 2018, 20. I told you guys when it was from here. Let's see. 2018. Okay, we got to go back some years. So this way we get we get a more unadulterated uh, uh, opinion or um, perspective on a current situation. Because right now, if you were to look up the here's another good example. Uh, when we were talking about this, uh, this uh, electoral, electoral um, uh, vote amendment, right? I was looking up the history of the electoral vote amendment of 1878 or whatever it was. And I couldn't find anything. It, I was everything was polluted with articles from yesterday, right? That everyone has an opinion now on the electoral vote amendment of 1877 or whatever, right? Or whenever it was, 1788. Okay, and so you have to go back further. You have to do a specific dated search further. This might be obvious to people who dig, but to some of us, it's not so obvious. Okay, like I'm fairly new to this myself, right? So anyways, so uh, we've already talked a lot about the Nazis in Ukraine here at the Sea Report. We've talked about them at least on three or four episodes. So uh, just as a, a little bit of a hedge, I wanted to throw this in here again today. So I got you a 2018 article and now we're going to do a 2024. And this one is basically it looks like a mirror of a zero hedge article, which is fine by me. Uh, so let's take a look at what it has to say. And, and just keep in mind, this is from a yesterday perspective, not a perspective of years. OK, praise of Ukrainian neo-Nazi battalion given green light by Facebook intercept. OK, now intercept, I know, is also a pretty reasonably well-read magazine. So I don't know if that's what they're talking about. Anyways, Facebook is now allowing its billions of users to praise a Ukrainian neo-Nazi military unit called the Azov Battalion after the social media giant previously banned the group from free discussion under the company's dangerous individuals and organizations policy. The Intercept, I knew it, Sam. So this is not even from Zero Hedge. The root article is The Intercept. You know what? I kind of want to go there. Okay, so I like root articles. Okay, I don't like reading, you know, third regurgitations. Okay, anyways, according to Beidel, <laughs> the Azov Regiment, which functions as an armed wing of the broader Ukrainian white nationalist Azov movement, is classified as a tier one dangerous organization under Facebook policy alongside the likes of ISIS and the KKK all the way. It began as a volunteer anti-Russia military uh, militia before officially joining the Ukrainian National Guard in 2014 and is known for its hardcore ultra-nationalist views and neo-Nazi ideology. The group was formally banned by Facebook in 2019 and designated, along with several individuals, under the company's prohibition against hate groups. 
subject to their harshest Tier 1 restrictions that ban users from praise, support, or representation of blacklisted groups across all company-owned platforms. According to Bidle, <laughs> or Biddle, I guess that would be Biddle, right? Because it's got two Ds. I saw Bidle, and I thought that this uh, publication was making fun of Biden. <laughs> You've got a little Biddle on your chin. Ah, no, just kidding. Okay, so according to Biddle, uh, though it has in recent years downplayed its neo-Nazi sympathies, the group's affinities are not subtle. Azov soldiers march and train wearing uniforms bearing icons of the Third Reich. Its leadership has reportedly courted American alt-right and neo-Nazi elements. And in 2010, the battalion's first commander and a former Ukrainian parliamentarian, Andriy Beletsky, stated that Ukraine's national purpose was to lead the was to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against uh, semi-led untermenschen subhumans with russian forces reportedly moving rapidly against targets throughout ukraine facebook's blunt lint-based approach to moderation puts the company in a bind what happens when a group you've deemed too dangerous to freely discuss is defending its country against a full-scale assault and that is the key right there, ladies and gentlemen. Why are Nazis defending Ukraine? Why is not Ukraine defending Ukraine? And because now the Nazis are defending Ukraine, Facebook's like, eh, it's okay to call them heroes. We kind of like the insignia anyways. It's pretty attractive, at least, uh, at least aesthetically pleasing to an artistic eye. Whatever, go and sit on one, Facebook and everyone else who kind of thinks that way. Now, here's the other thing about this too, guys. Andre Beletsky, okay, his name was dropped by Victoria Newland in that phone call that was leaked that we played here two episodes ago, okay? Go back to the episode where we're talking, the episode is called uh, The Russia-Ukraine Conflict, The Deep State Brings Out the Rats, okay? I think it's like episode 253, all right? I think it's 253 or 252, somewhere in there, okay? And in that episode, we're talking about Victoria Newland, and we're talking about Fiona Hill, and yeah, yeah, other pundits can drop their names, but do they got the sauce? We got the sauce, okay? Now, Victoria Newland, she was in charge of this regime change in 2014. She's the one who got all of these neo-Nazis involved in Ukraine and then brought them on board. This is Victoria Newland, all right? Some people are like, eh, who cares about what she has to say? Well, she's like one of the crowning stars over there that's behind orchestrating this, guys. And now they're bringing her out and they're interviewing her, etc., etc., etc. But here's the point. The point is in that phone call that was leaked be between her and I think his name was uh, Piev. Piev, I can't remember his first name, but he was another United States ambassador type person. And they said Andre Beletsky was one of the three people that whomever was installed with needed to be on the phone with every day, okay? So they can run the government, okay? And uh, we got, the, he was a Ukrainian parliamentarian. Hello. Oh, 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 wait. But he was also the first commander of the uh, Azov Battalion. Hello. And yet there's no such thing as a Nazi inside of Ukraine. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen. This is, uh, it's not that easy to, it's not that easy to, comprehend but it's pretty easy to understand okay <laughs> 
if that makes any sense whatsoever, what at all. Sorry, my mic keeps going phantom on me. But it, how interesting that there's no, no, uh, no Nazis in Ukraine, apparently. Hey, what's going on? Freeze One. Freeze One, thanks for dropping the shades. I appreciate your support, buddy. Thank you for that. And also, Judy the Ladypug, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookies. And Danicki Sandals. What's up, Danicki? It's been a minute since I've seen you, hun. But thank you for dropping the cookie over there in the the, uh, the C-chats over at Pilled and Foxhole.app. Much appreciated. Thank you for the love and for the support. Okay, let's carry on, ladies and gentlemen. It says, according to Facebook's new internal policy reviewed by The Intercept, the company will allow praise of the Azov Battalion, Battalion, the Azov Battalion, when explicitly and exclusively praising their role in defending Ukraine or their role as part of the Ukraine's National Guard. So don't you dare say that the Azov Battalion are neo-Nazis, okay? Because if you do, you're going to get censored. But if you say, hey, you're defending Ukraine sovereignty against Russia, the uh, fascist, the dictator, the crazy psychopathic, you know, uh, bloodthirsty uh, warmonger, then it's okay to talk about the Azov. Can you believe they actually have people hired sitting there who are monitoring whether or not you're calling the Azov Battalion neo-Nazis? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. They're crazy. Are we crazy? We're not crazy. We are sane, okay? We are we are going sane in a crazy world, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're doing here at the Sea Report. We are going sane in a crazy world. So don't think you're crazy because you're not, okay? All right, let's continue. It says here, examples of allowed speech include... Azov movement volunteers, not mercenaries, volunteers, not National Guard, volunteers, not uh, called to duty, but volunteers are real heroes. They are a much needed support to our National Guard and we are under attack. Azov has been courageously defending our town for the last six hours and I think Azov is playing a patriotic role during this crisis. That said, the group still can't use Facebook for recruiting purposes or publishing its own statements. The regiment's uniforms and banners will continue to be banned as hate symbol imagery. Examples of speech regarding the group that's not allowed includes things like Gables and <laughs> Gables, the Fuhrer, and Azov are all great models for national sacrifices and heroism. And well done, Azov, for protecting Ukraine and its white nationalist heritage. Facebook confirmed (laughs) confirmed the decision, but refused to elaborate. Other tier one groups include the Islamic State and the Ku Klux Klan. K, 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 all the way, just like they used to say on Jerry Springer. Okay, all right. Uh, I opened up, these are the root articles I opened up because I want these root articles. Okay, we're not going to read that because we just read them on someone else's website. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys, that moves us along to our next topic of conversation. I'm going to try and get off the air not too, too, well, we'll be on for a little bit longer, but not too much longer because all the heavy hitters are coming in like at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. 
I don't want to compete with them, guys. Thank you all for being here live with us. Right, Look, I already lost another viewer here. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for being live with us. If you've been hanging out with us over at Foxhole Pilled, Cloud Hub, Twitch, or Rumble, your presence is much appreciated. Uh, don't forget, we are live Monday through Friday here at the Sea Report. We also have weekend shows. Mr. C in the Dark will be live tonight, ladies and gentlemen, at Midnoche. We'll be live tonight. The topic du jour for tonight is uh, the transgender push of the drag queen sensation on children and transhumanism. If you can be a trans species, you can be a robot. Oh, and that's going to be with me and guest Java will be on tonight at midnight. So make sure you guys come back and check that out. It's going to be a fun time, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get back into this, guys. What do we got on the screen? Uh, next topic for discussion in debunking this whole Ukraine thing. Okay. This whole occupation and invasion of Ukraine. Okay. This is going to be about the strike against the deep state. This is what I'm thinking is going on here, guys. And, and, and I don't listen to the likes of Alex Jones. Okay. I stopped listening to that man like five years ago. I stopped listening to that man when he self-censored. Let's just leave it there. Okay. All right. I start listening to Dave from X22 after that. So <laughs> I'm pretty easy to, I'm pretty easy to please. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, no more Alex. Oh, we got Dave. Okay. I don't need to dig any deeper. All right. That's why I don't know any content creators because I never, ever, I just, I was satisfied with Dave. He gave me everything I needed to know. Okay. I didn't need to go look for anyone else. <laughs> I didn't need to go look for anyone else. Okay, so what do we have pictured here? Uh, this says United States Biolabs in Ukraine. Okay, now we'll just take that off the screen because I don't know if they're United States Biolabs, but they could be Biolabs in Ukraine. Now, uh, there's quite a few here pictured. We have some in Kiev. We have some in we have one in Kharkiv. We have one in Luhansk. Which uh, let me let me actually make this bigger for you guys. Uh, Kiev, we have uh, some in Kiev. We have one in Kharkiv, right? We have one in Luhansk. Okay, this is this is the Donbass region. Here's Don here's Donetsk. Here's Luhansk. This is the Donbass region. Okay, this is where you have the Russian separatists. This is where you have the two sovereign states. That and that's pretty big, right? That's a pretty big chunk of land right there between the Donetsk and the Luhansk. Now, this is the region, the Donbass region, that Putin has just recognized as being sovereign countries and has said that he's protecting them as peacekeepers against genocide. Now, hold on to that thought because we're going to talk about that after we get through the biolabs, okay? <clears throat> Because now you have pundits on the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media saying things like, there's no genocide going on over there. And Putin has used genocide as an excuse to invade, uh, to invade uh, Ukraine before. Of course, it wasn't Ukraine last time. It was Georgia and it was South Ossetia. And we are going to absolutely walk into that tonight before we get off the air guys now since we have this map this beautiful beautiful map of ukraine on the screen anyhow let's go through this down here you have crimea okay and sevastopol now sevastopol's in crimea now 
what the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda, pedophile media says is uh, it was a bloody referendum and Russia came in and killed everyone, held the Crimean parliament by gunpoint and every citizen in the country or on the continent or on the peninsula, uh, Russia held every citizen on the peninsula at gunpoint. So that this way they would vote 90% yes for the referendum to separate from Ukraine and go back to Russia. Now, we already covered this in a previous episode. We all know it was not an annexation as per... I mean, if you guys want to see what an annexation really looks like, I can show you guys what an annexation really looks like. It's not pretty, okay? A real annexation, a real invasion, a real occupation is not pretty. We're talking... People dying, people crying, people with no homes. We're talking war and bombs and explosions. Not what we saw in Crimea, guys. Not at all what we saw in Crimea. Big difference. Okay, I can show it to you guys if you want. We don't got time, but maybe next time I'll show it to you. Now, uh, over here we have Odessa. Okay, now, the reason why I'm pointing this out here specifically is because allegedly, as we speak, according to our Pentagon, Russia has launched an amphibious attack, an amphibious weapons or arms attack, right? Where they go from, they go from land to water, right? I mean, they go from water to land. They got their boats out here. They send their machines. They send their tanks. They, they just invade. They have invaded Crimea, and they have invaded, I mean, <laughs> Russia has invaded their own territory, right? And they've invaded uh, Odessa. And they are coming up right now as we speak. And they are invading Ukraine by way of the ocean, according to the Pentagon, who also said they don't have any photos and they don't have any images and they can't produce them and it's hard to, right? Our, our, our highly advanced satellite-based military and all this, they can't even get you photos of warships down in this area with their amphibious machines invading Ukraine. They can't. They can't do it. It's hard to, said the spokesperson of, of Pentagon. They, they just can't do it. But that's what's going on right now, according to what they said, because they said it. All right. That's why I'm showing you this, this map like this. Okay, so here's that troubled region in the Donbass. Okay, so then we have, uh, we have, uh, we have these um, uh, biological labs, I guess, allegedly in Kharkiv. We looked at live cams of Kharkiv yesterday. They were, they were bombed and missiled. We saw nothing. Everything looked like people were riding bikes in Kharkiv, okay? We looked at Lviv. You see how many of these bio labs they have over here? Now, we've seen video of eruptions and explosions in Lviv. But uh, according to the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media, you have uh, a direct assault and invasion happening in Lviv. Well, we looked at like six live cams yesterday in Lviv. Saw nothing of that sort. Okay, nothing. All right. Uh, Kiev, we looked at the Kiev live cams, nothing was going, not even, there are not even Ukraine military defense military units on the ground. Nothing. There's nothing going on. Anyways, the point of this is that these dots are where they have biolabs, apparently, I guess. I don't know. That's what they say. Okay, so let's see here. 
exclusive U.S. biolabs in Ukraine, and they are financed at the expense of the... So I don't know that's to be a fact. I don't know this. This is just a meme that I found on the internet. I think it comes from Alex Jones. It says, the laboratories are located in Odessa, Vinnytsia, Uzgorod, Lviv, Kiev, Kherson, Ternopil, and near Crimea and Luhansk. Two other possible locations in Kharkiv and Mykolaiv. Okay, so I guess these purples are the possible ones and the other, all these red dots are the actual ones. Okay, so that kind of sets us up for what we's going to be talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. Okay, so uh, here you have a map of the Russian missile strikes. Okay, let's expand that. Okay. So where you see... Where you see the stars, that's where you see the missile strikes. Kiev, Luhansk, Kharkiv, none in Lviv, but it was reported on the news. We played it here live on the air that they struck over there, right? But they have these outlying strikes, and then you have these ones in Odessa. So is it possible then? Is it possible then that they are wiping out bio level four or five labs where they are creating the future Wuhan virus, the China virus. It's going to be called the Ukraine virus. Is that what we're going to call it? I don't know. I don't know. The The question you would have to ask, ladies and gentlemen, is, well, do they exist? Has the United States actually created bio level labs in this region? Is it, it, are there actual bio labs in the region? That's the first question we need to ask. Let's see what this article has to say. You know I do my digs. Okay, this says biological threat reduction program. And this comes from the United States Embassy.gov. Okay, this is officially from our government. This is the page. This is something that they have published on their website. This is our government speaking here. Let's see what they have to say. The United States Department of Defense's Biological Threat Reduction Program collaborates with partner countries to counter the threat of outbreaks, deliberate, accidental, or natural, of the world's most dangerous infectious diseases. The program accomplishes its biothreat reduction mission through development of a bio-risk management culture, international research partnerships, and partner capacity for enhanced biosecurity, biosafety, and biosurveillance measures. The Biological Threat Reduction Program's priorities in Ukraine are to consolidate and secure pathogens and toxins of security concern and to continue to ensure Ukraine can detect and report outbreaks because by dangerous pathogens before they po- caused by dangerous pathogens before they pose security or stability threats. Current executive agents of the Biological Threat Reduction Program in Ukraine are the Ministry of Health, the State Service of Ukraine for Food Safety and Consumer Protection, and the National Academy of Agrarian, Agrarian Sciences and the Ministry of Defense. Ministry of Defense COVID-19 Response Assistance, Sanitary Epidemiological Department of the Medical Command of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense received four mobile laboratories 
four mobile laboratories from DTRA with the goal of reinforcing the system of epidemiological surveillance in the armed forces of Ukraine. The Ukrainian Ministry of Defense received an official order from the Cabinet of Ministers of Ukraine concerning the deployment of the mobile labs to the regions of Kiev, Lviv, and eastern Ukraine to help with COVID-19 response. On April 11, 2020, President Zelensky visited the SED unit in uh, Pokroskoya city, Donetsk Oblast, and familiarized himself with the capabilities of the mobile laboratories to help military and civilian people during the COVID-19 epidemic. <clears throat> Laboratory construction. BTRP has upgraded many laboratories for the Ministry of Health and the State Food Safety and Consumer Protection Service in Ukraine, reaching biosafety level 2. In 2019, BTRP constructed two laboratories for the latter, one in Kiev and one in Odessa. So now we see they did have these biosafety labs in those two areas. They say they're level two. Level two is not going to get you a China coronavirus 19, but that's not to say they had not been upgraded. That's speculation. It says here, the science writing mentorship program was initiated at the beginning of 2016. The overall focus of the SWMP is to advance one health initiatives and disease risk mitigation in Ukraine through effective dissemination of scientific findings at BTRP supported laboratories. The program seeks to improve the science writing skills of participants to afford them the opportunity for publishing and obtaining grants for projects. In addition, there is an annual Ukraine Regional One Health Research Symposium that features participants of SWMP and many others in 2019. The symposium had a total of 553 participants and 446 presentations. And then it goes on to talk about active research projects. Um, risk assessment of selected avian EDPS potentially carried by migratory birds over Ukraine. Prevalence of Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever virus and hantaviruses in Ukraine and potential requirement for differential diagnosis and or sus of suspect leptocyprosis patients. The spread of African swine fever virus in domestic pigs and wild boars in Ukraine. Building capacity for insights into the transmission of ASFV through characterization of virus isolates by genome sequencing and uh, phyl phylogenetic analysis. And finally, ASF biosurveillance and ASF regional risk assessment. Okay, so as you can see, they've been doing some work over here. It says here, biosurveillance network of the Silk Road. Okay, so I guess I guess our government's officially bought into the Silk Road, okay? Uh, and it says here, in 2016, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine and the State Service of Ukraine on Food Safety and Consumer Protection signed a memorandum on joining a multinational working group with the goal of strengthen uh, the goal to strengthen global health security and create well-functioning disease surveillance networks in the Eastern European region that includes Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. Okay, so our government is aware, involved, and apparently funding these types of laboratories. Katie Mann says maybe they're using sabotage in the labs to the West. Yeah, I mean... I. I 
they could be using this to make more China viruses for what I, for all I'm concerned, you know, let's take a look at this article here. Pentagon biological weapons program never ended United States bio labs around the world, around the world. Who runs the world? Biosafety labs run the world. Okay. So let me stop it. Okay. It's a Friday night, guys. Are we getting hot and heavy on a Friday night? I'm trying to get off the air before the heavy hitters get here. Okay, all right, let's go. Before the VIPs come on in. All right, Pentagon Biological Weapons Program never ended U.S. biolabs around the world. Who runs the world? The VIPs run the world. (laughs) The U.S. Army regularly produces deadly viruses, bacteria, and toxins in direct violation of the U.N. Convention on the Prohibition of Biological Weapons. Hundreds of thousands of unwitting people are systematically exposed to dangerous pathogens and other incurable diseases by a warfare scientist using diplomatic cover test man-made viruses at Pentagon biolaboratories in 25 countries across the world. These U.S. biolaboratories are funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency under uh, under a $2.1 billion military program, Cooperative Biological Engagement Program, and are located in the former Soviet countries such as Georgia and Ukraine, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Africa. So this image here gives you a kind of an idea. Sorry, we're not going to click. Oh, let's click it. Let's see what she say. So here you go. Pentagon biolaboratories in 25 countries around Russia, China, Iran, etc. under DTRA, Cooperative Biological Engagement Program. So clearly you can see there are, there very well do exist these biological labs. Okay, they exist. All right, here they are. We're looking at them, guys. We are looking at them. I feel bad for the people down here. Jeez Louise, what are they doing over there, guys? There's no telling. But as you can see here, right around Russia. So this is not, this is not, you know, because you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of people right now, a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of debunkers, right? A lot of debunkers right now are talking about, oh, that's not right. No, no, that's, you know, no, it doesn't exist, etc. right? A lot of debunkers right now coming out saying that this is not real. There's no such thing as these biological labs. There's no such thing as Putin knocking them out. Why would Putin want to knock them out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the Lugar Center Republic in the Republic of Georgia. Now, we're going to talk about Georgia in a little bit. We're going to talk about that South Ossetian genocide. The re- and, and the reason why uh, Putin got blamed for invading Georgia when he was just trying to stop a genocide. Okay? The more you know, right? The U.S. Army has been deployed to Vizania Military Air Base, 17 kilometers away from the Pentagon Biolaboratory at the Lugar Center. Georgia is a testing ground for bioweapons. 
The Lugar Center is the Pentagon Bio Laboratory in Georgia. It is located just 17 kilometers away from the U.S. Vaziana Military Air Base in the capital of Tbilisi. Tbilisi. Does anyone know how to pronounce that? Tbilisi. Tasked with the military program are biologists from the U.S. Army Medical Research Unit, Georgia along with private contractors. The Biosafety Level 3 laboratory is accessible only to U.S. citizens with security clearance. They are accorded diplomatic immunity under the 2002 U.S.-Georgia Agreement on Defense Cooperation. And uh, on the screen, we have that uh, 2002 U.S.-Georgia Agreement, apparently. Agreement between the government of the United States of America and the government of Georgia on defense cooperation. Okay, so there's that. Uh, the USA-Georgia Agreement accords diplomatic status to the U.S. military and civilian personnel, including diplomatic vehicles working on the Pentagon program in Georgia. Information obtained from the U.S. Federal Contracts Registry clarifies some of the military activities at the Lugar Center, among them research on bioagents, anthrax, and tularemia. And viral diseases, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever, and the collection of biological samples for future experiments. So, dug a little bit deeper for this, guys, but it exists. It's here. It's true. People aren't just saying this to say it. You don't got uh, crackpot live streamers like myself or bloggers talking about this stuff. Like, there's documentation to support the fact that these biolabs exist. This article from October of 2018 says Moscow accuses the United States of 73 deaths at a biolab near southern Russia. What is that about, ladies and gentlemen? Let's check it out real quick. So it says, Russia has accused the United States of killing scores of people in an alleged secret biological weapons lab in the country of Georgia. Hmm. A claim, oh wait, let me expand this, sorry guys. A claim that a senior Russian lawmaker said would not go unanswered. The Russian Defense Ministry said Thursday that 73 volunteers who took part in a drug in drug tests at the U.S.-funded public health research Lugar Center near Tbilisi. Tbilisi, Tbilisi, Georgia, died in 2015 and 2016. It said it was alerted to the allegations by a Moscow-based former security minister wanted in Georgia for purported involvement in an assassination attempt against an ex-president. State Duma Defense Committee Chairman Vladimir Shamanov warned the United States of military retaliation and called for an international inspection of the research censure. We will take diplomatic and military measures, the state-run TOSS news agency quoted Shamanov as saying, Shamanov, we can't just look the other way when there's something happening that directly affects security on the southern frontiers, he said Thursday. Georgia has denied that the research center is a clandestine biological weapons lab as absurd. 
The Pentagon calls the allegations obvious attempts to divert attention on the day when the U.S., Britain, and the Netherlands issued coordinated denunciations against Russia for running what they described as a global hacking campaign. Speaking of global hacking campaigns, guys, did anyone notice that Anonymous is back? Anybody notice Anonymous is back? Like, if you're watching the news headlines, oh, Anonymous is back and they're attacking Russia. What does that tell you? What does it tell you if a group like Anonymous, good guy hackers, are hacking Russia because they're concerned about them taking out the biological labs in Ukraine? Take off your Guy Fox mask, ladies and gentlemen, because they have hijacked the anonymous movement as well. All right, back to this. It says here, The U.S. is not developing biological weapons in the Lugar Center, the Associated Press quoted Pentagon spokesman Eric Pahan as saying, Citing the Russian Defense Ministry's claim that the spread of viral diseases from Georgia, including African swine fever in 2007, could be connected to the Lugar Center, Shamanov called for a comprehensive evaluation. Since you baselessly accuse us of all sorts of scripples and other acts without presenting facts, then why don't we carry out joint inspections, the senior lawmaker told Toss. So... Scandalo happening over there in that region of the world, ladies and gentlemen, amongst this biological labs that supposedly don't exist, right? I don't know, guys. We're just laying it out here. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From $0.99 cents per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. Okay, so this one says Bioterrorism, the Pentagon Secret Biological Laboratories, 2018. Uh, This one says, uh, this is another 2018, Russia attacks, seizes Ukrainian vessels in Black Sea off Crimea. We could probably skip this one. I don't want to close it out because I might need to reference it later. Uh, this says the Pentagon bioweapons. Okay, and this is also this is from 2019. Arms Watch. We got Homeland Security Newswire. New clues show how Russia's grid hackers aimed for physical destruction. We're not talking about anonymous tonight, so I'm going to take this one off the plate. Tune in to a future episode. Armenia to open doors of U.S.-built biolabs to Russia. U.S.-built bio... Okay, that might be something to look at. 
and U.S. Bioweapons Labs in Ukraine. What will Russia find? Okay, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. Okay, so in the future, ladies and gentlemen, you can go over to thecreport.com and we'll have all of these articles posted for reference. Um, what I want to do, however, okay, what I want to do is we're going to go to these two articles because we got, it's what, it's 7 o'clock. We've been on for about three hours now, and uh, I dare say we'll be on for another solid hour, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I'm going to go into, I'm going to, we're going to dip into these two articles and that'll wrap up our bioweapons thing. Okay. Because we're talking about these labs, right? We're talking about Russia going into Ukraine and bombing these labs. Okay. And uh, well, I mean, that seems to be, I don't think they're just bombing the labs, obviously. They're doing a whole lot more than just that. That's not their sole mission, okay? Uh, I think they're definitely taking out globalist uh, infrastructure. They're taking out globalist um, stronghold, foothold, whatever you want to call the hold. They're taking it out. They're disarming them. They're rendering them uh, neutered, right? So this way they can't do anything. These are probably interesting. I mean, if they're not too long... Oh, it's a long article. <laughs> That's a long article. Okay, hold on. Let me see this one. Look, this one shows you again this map of all of these uh, U.S. Uh, funded, Pentagon funded biolabs around the world. Not just in Ukraine. Just like there are no such thing as Nazis in Ukraine, there are no such thing as U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine. And yet we have articles from years ago that talk about them. Georgia as a testing ground. Okay, so yeah, we basically already read this article. Okay, so we won't go through that one. Uh, and then after that, we're going to get into the last topic, guys. The last topic is going to be about genocide, okay? Because the media is going to tell you that there is no such thing as genocide and that Putin is going to use that as an excuse for an invasion, for an evasion and an occupation that he will be done with by Monday. Okay, so... Okay, so let's do this, guys. Let's do this. We're almost done. We only got those last two topics, and I'll let you guys go. And I won't see you again until midnight. Alright? Okay. Sounds good to me. Does it sound good to you? It sounds good to me. Okay, guys. So let's check it out. Armenia to open doors of U.S.-built biolabs. U.S.-built biolabs to Russia. Ladies and gentlemen, and it says the labs have been a favorite target of Russian state run media scaremongering. Now, with a new agreement with Yerevan, Moscow should get full access. The article says. Oh, so this is the, this is the one of the labs. It's called the Richard G. Lugar Center for Public Health Research outside Belize. Belize is supported is purportedly the mothership in a network of United States bioweapons labs in the post-Soviet space, according to Russian government officials. So, do you understand why Russia is so paranoid about the West and about America? Okay. Not only are we sending our military infrastructure to their borders via NATO, we are also building bioweapons labs in countries around their own. It's easy to understand. 
And we are just big jerks, okay? Now, Armenia is going to give Russia permanent access to its Pentagon-sponsored biological labs, a regular source of propaganda and paranoia in Moscow. The access could give the Kremlin peace of mind about the American labs in the South Caucasus and potentially spoil Russia's favorite anti-American germ war conspiracy theory. Russia's influential daily Kamrasant reported on October 25th that Moscow and Yerevan are about to ink a memorandum allowing Russian health and military officials to observe the workings of U.S.-sponsored biological labs in Armenia. Kamarasan's sources said that the memorandum will be signed during Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who was just sanctioned, I might add, uh, uh, Sergei Lavrov's upcoming visit to Armenia, planned for November 10th and 11th. Again, this is from 2018. Armenia Prime Minister, Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan corroborated the report in an interview published by Kamarasant three days later. We are still working on the text of the memorandum, Pashinyan said. The main purpose of this document is to honor the interests of all sides to make sure that nobody, none of our partners, have any fears about the labs. The Kremlin has long seized on the country of the U.S.-backed biolabs in its neighborhood, claiming that the Pentagon is weaponizing germs in them for a potential biological and chemical offensive on Russia. Moscow helped spread seasonal outbreaks of fear-mongering in its state-run news, complete with murky reports of suspicious human and animal deaths in the vicinity of the labs. Washington went to lengths to pacify Moscow, arguing, arguing that the labs are there to study and prevent epidemiological threats. Russia's ire has been mainly focused on Georgia, a close U.S. partner and one of Moscow's top antagonists in the former Soviet space. A flagship laboratory in Belize, named after U.S. Senator Richard Lugar, known as the Lugar Lab, has been Moscow's favorite punching bag, but Russian ally Armenia also took hits over its own lab. Georgian and Armenian health authorities have taken delegations of Russian scientists and journalists on tours of the labs in attempts to placate Russian concerns, but thus far to no avail. All claim that we are creating weapons at the laboratory are absurd, the laboratory has a scientific research mission and is collaborating with both U.S. and Russia, the director of Armenia's Disease Control and Prevention Center. Artrezad Vanyan told Sputnik, the Russian news network that has exhaustedly covered the labs. The agreement on access seems to set a set to help take at least the Armenian labs off Moscow's propaganda hit list. So clearly this article was with no love to Russia, right? But we see that the proof, the reason why we even read that kind of thing is because we want to see it, guys, that they're, they're taking a hit against Russia, but they're admitting things that we need to know, which is the fact that why does the Pentagon funding, why is taxpayer money funding biosafety labs on the other side of the world, first of all, right? Like, why do we have labs? You saw all those labs 
Africa, Asia, Europe, you know, uh, India, and the, uh, everywhere. Like, why are we funding that? We are funding that. Okay, you want to know where income tax goes? It doesn't go back into your streets and your schools and your firehouses. It goes into their coffers. And they use it to fund their black projects or black site, whatever they're called. And that's it. That's where it goes. If it does not go back into the pocket of the bankers who use us, usury, ladies and gentlemen, it goes into their black site projects like these bio labs that the Pentagon is funding with taxpayer money. Do you think the Pentagon funds this with their own money? I don't see the Pentagon out there at Walmart selling Girl Scout cookies. Do you? I don't. Okay, I don't see them. Well, maybe they are selling arms and that's how they're funding it. But I don't see them fundraising any other way. They're using taxpayer money. This is clear proof. When you have uh, you, the, the, the main kebab there over in Armenia saying, yeah, you could come see our Pentagon built United States weapons labs. I mean, uh, bio labs. We're paying for that. You're paying for that. In fact... Your grandchildren are paying for that, okay? Okay, all right, let's move on. Final article on the Biolabs issue. This is from, again, Veterans Times. Ladies and gentlemen, massive sellouts, it would seem. Okay, bioweapon labs in Ukraine. What will Russia find? Russia's military, let's, let's, this article is going to say they're not going to find nothing, right? Because this is from Veterans Times, right? They'd rather take us on the border with the little soy boy to Mexico crying about uh, running into uh, an illegal immigrant because he's going to have to shoot him, right? Okay, anyways, okay, let's, <laughs> let's see what this says, okay? I, I'm curious. Russia's military operation in Ukraine seems to be going very successful, of course, the initial reports should be taken with a grain of salt. But the question arises, what will the Russians find in Ukraine? So here they also have that same map of bioweapons labs. I mean, biolabs, sorry. It says, reports from the first day of the Russian military operation in Ukraine show that the Ukrainian army does not have much to counter the Russian forces. The Ukrainian army was heavily armed by NATO, but since most Ukrainian soldiers were conscripted to serve against their will, their fighting spirit seems to be decidedly low. In many places, it is reported that the Russian army met no resistance at the border and was literally waved through by the Ukrainian forces. Where fighting has occurred, Ukrainian soldiers have waved white flags. This is not true everywhere, but it seems to have happened very frequently. However, the so-called volunteer battalions in particular, composed of volunteer Ukrainian nationalists, uh, don't you mean the Azov battalions? Don't you mean the, the, the racist neo-Nazis? Come on, veterans, times get with it. If we can understand this, why can't you? Why are you sugarcoating it? Why are you euphemizing it? Why don't you say what they really are? These volunteer battalions are neo-Nazis. They're warmongers. They're war tourists. They're mercenaries. They are not volunteers. Calling these people volunteers is like calling a child a child prostitute. A child cannot be a prostitute. They have no control or say over that portion of life. 
There's no such thing as a child prostitute, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have a two-year-old that says, screw you, mama, I'm going to go work the corner. That two-year-old does not know what the hell is going on. There's no such thing as a child prostitute. There's no such thing as a volunteer Ukrainian nationalist in Ukraine. They are hired mercenaries and neo-Nazis. Get it right, Veterans Times, please. Okay. Russia reports that there is no longer a functioning military airport in Ukraine and that a great deal of weaponry, especially anti-aircraft and artillery, was destroyed in the first few hours. The shooting down of several Turkish-made Bayraktar drones was also reported. CNN filmed Russian soldiers allegedly occupying Kiev airport. This would make sense, as Russia has announced that one of the goals of the military operation is to denazify Ukraine. Apparently, the occupation of civilian airports is intended to limit the ability of those responsible in Ukraine to escape. U.S. bioweapons labs in Ukraine. I have often reported that the United States, more specifically the Pentagon, operates several bioweapons labs in Ukraine. The last time I reported on this was on January 27th. The U.S. has always refused international inspections of its labs, so no one knows what they are researching in these labs. But we can assume that Russian special forces will take a closer look at these labs in the coming days. And this seems to be exactly a can of worms. A tweet was published on Twitter about this, and the user was immediately blocked. I won't go into the content of the tweet, which can still be found on an internet archive. If you are interested, you can view it by clicking on the number one. My point is that Twitter was so quick to delete a tweet and its author merely because he pointed out that there are U.S. bioweapons labs in Ukraine and that it looks like their capture is one of the important targets of the Russian military operation. Who Russia still seeks in Ukraine? Russian President Putin said the following in his address to the nation on Monday about the Odessa tragedy on May 2014, in which nearly 50 people were burned alive by radical Maidan supporters and which has never been solved in Ukraine. The criminals who committed this atrocity have not been punished and no one is looking for them, but we know their names and will do everything to punish them, find them and bring them to justice. Considering that the Russian army is also on its way to Odessa, some people there might be getting very nervous right now and trying to leave the city quickly. The same goes for the radical neo-Nazis who are in power in Ukraine. On Russian television, Russian officials say that they also want to hold those responsible for other crimes, for example, in the Donbass, accountable. getting excited guys okay i'm getting excited okay now the public address to the country that we read here last night was his speech from thursday morning not the speech from monday and i don't know what this odessa uh, situation is i don't know what happened there i guess there was some kind of a massacre i'm gonna look that up guys I'm going to look that up because this looks like it's saucy, guys. You know, I like it saucy. You know, I like it saucy. Okay. All right. Let's get let's get back into this. Okay. 
Introduction. The devastating 2018 article that brought on an FBI crackdown gives the background of how the 2017 research funded by the USAID and the CIA at the University of North Carolina using Wuhan horseshoe bat virus may have ended up entering the United States in either a horrible backfire or a purposeful deep state plot against the United States. It all began with Project Clear Vision, which is outlined below. The studies tied to this have been cleansed and published by the on-the-make academics and scientists who took the CIA's cash and turned off their common sense and professional ethics if such things exist anymore. Uh, Dilyana Gaitandsvia is a Bulgarian investigative journalist and Middle East correspondent. Over the last two years, she has published a series of revealed reports on weapon smuggling. In the past year, she came under pressure from the Bulgarian National Security Agency and was fired from her job in the Bulgarian newspaper Trud Daily without explanation. Despite this, Dilyana continues her investigations. Her current report provides an overview of the Pentagon's vigor in the development of biological weapons. The U.S. Army regularly produces deadly viruses, bacteria, and toxins in direct violation of the U.N. Convention on the Prohibition of Biological Weapons. Hundreds of thousands of unwitting people are systematically exposed to dangerous pathogens and other incurable diseases. Biowarfare scientists using diplomatic cover test man-made viruses at Pentagon biolaboratories in 25 countries across the world. These U.S. biolaboratories are funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency under a $2.1 billion military program, Cooperative Biological Engagement Program, and are located in the former Soviet countries such as Georgia and Ukraine, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and Africa. And there again is a photo of those designated sites, ladies and gentlemen. Our taxpayer dollars are paying for our Pentagon to develop bioweapons in these countries around the world. They are exploiting these nations. They are exploiting these people and endangering their lives and endangering the lives of everyone on this planet. Period. So we've seen some of this already. The Lugar Center in the Republic of Georgia. There it is again. Okay. There is the... Uh, Vaziana Military Base, United States. And here is the uh, bioweapons lab. Mm. We already read this, guys. Georgia is a testing ground for bioweapons. The Lugar Center is the Pentagon Biolaboratory in Georgia. It is located just 17 kilometers away from the U.S. Vanzania Military Air Base in the capital of Bilisby, or Bilisi. Okay, so we already read this, so we're not going to read it again. That's crazy, guys. Pentagon contractors produce bioagents under diplomatic cover. The Defense Threat Reduction Agency has outsourced much of the work under the military program to private companies, which are not held accountable to Congress and which can operate more freely and move, move around the rule of law. U.S. civilian personnel performing work at the Lugar Center have also been given diplomatic immunity, although they are not diplomats. Hence, private companies can perform work under diplomatic cover for the U.S. government without being under the direct control of the host state. In this case, the Republic of Georgia. This practice is often used by the CIA to provide cover 
for its agents. Dang. Okay. Three private American companies work at the U.S. Biolaboratory in Tbilisi. Uh, CH2M Hill, Battelle, and Metabiota. In addition to the Pentagon, these private contractors perform biological research for the CIA and various other government agencies. CH2M Hill has been awarded $341.5 million from DTRA contracts under the Pentagon's program for biolaboratories in Georgia, Uganda, Tanzania, Iraq, Afghanistan, Southeast Asia. Half of this sum, $161.1 million, is being allocated to the Lagar Center under the Georgian contract. According to the CH2M Hill, the U.S. company has secured biological agents and employed former biowarfare scientists at the Lugar Center. These are scientists who are working for another American company involved in the military program in Georgia, Battelle Memorial Institute. Battelle, as a $59 million subcontractor at Lugar Center, has extensive experience in research on bioagents as the company has already worked on the U.S. bioweapons program under 11 previous contracts with the United States Army between the years 1952 and 1966. Damn, guys, this is crazy. The private company performs work for the Pentagon's DTRA biolaboratories in Afghanistan, Armenia, Georgia, Uganda, Tanzania, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Vietnam. Battelle conducts research, development, testing, and evaluation using both highly toxic chemicals and highly pathogenic biological agents for a wide range of U.S. government agencies. It has been awarded some $2 billion in federal contracts in total and ranks 23 on the top 100 U.S. government contractors list. The CIA Battelle Project Clear Vision Project Clear Vision from 1997 and 2000, a joint investigation by the CIA and the Battelle Memorial Institute under a contract awarded by the agency, reconstructed and tested a Soviet-era anthrax bomblet in order to test its dissemination characteristics. The project's stated goal was to assess bio-agents' dissemination characteristics of bomblets. The clandestine CIA Battelle operation was omitted from the U.S. Biological Weapons Convention declaration submitted to the U.N. Top Secret Experiments Battelle has operated a top-secret biolaboratory National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasure Center, NBACC, at Fort Detrick, Maryland, under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. It's a contract for the last decade. The company has been awarded $344.4 million federal contract from 2006 to 2016 and another $17.3 million contract between 2015 and 2026 by the Department of Homeland Security. That is a picture of the NBACC and it is classified as a U.S. top secret facility. Amongst the secret experiments performed by Battelle at NBACC are assessment of powder dissemination technology, assessment of hazard posed by aerosol toxins, and the assessment of virulence of B. Uh, pseudomalea, pseudomalea or meliodosis 
as a function of aerosol particles in non-human primates. Meliodosis as the potential to be developed as a biological weapon, hence it is classified as a category B, bioterrorism agent. B. pseudomelae was studied by the U.S. as a potential bioweapon in the past. Besides the military experiments at the Lugar Center in Georgia, Battelle has already produced bioterrorism agents at the Biosafety Level 4 NBACC Top Secret Laboratory at Fort Detrick in the United States. An NBACC presentation lists 16 research priorities for the lab, among them to characterize classically emerging and genetically engineered pathogens for the BTA, for their BTA, their biological threat agent potential. Assess the, nat the nature of the non-traditional, novel, and non-endemic induction of disease for potential BTA, and expand aerosol challenge testing capacity for non-human primates. Pentagon Biolabs at the epicenter of the Ebola crisis. The U.S. company Metabiota Incorporated has been awarded $18.4 million, uh, million federal contracts under the Pentagon's DTRA program in Georgia and Ukraine for scientific and technical consulting services. Metabiota services include global field-based biological threat research, pathogen discovery, outbreak response, and clinical trials. Metabiota Incorporated has been contracted by the Pentagon to perform work for DTRA before and during the Ebola crisis in West Africa, and was awarded $3.1 million from 2012 to 2015 for work in Sierra Leone, one of the countries at the epicenter of the Ebola outbreak. And there's a map of that outbreak. Metabiota worked on a Pentagon project at the epicenter of the Ebola crisis, where three U.S. biolabs are situated. A, June, a July 17, 2014 report drafted by the Viral Hemorrhagiatic Fever Consortium accused Metabiota Incorporated of failing to abide uh, by an existing agreement on how to report test results and for bypassing the Sierra Leone scientists working there. The report also raised the possibility that Metabiota was culturing blood cells at the lab something the report said was dangerous, as well as misdiagnosing healthy patients. All of those allegations were denied by Metabiota. The photo we see here is the Lugar Center's ribbon cutting, apparently. Military experiments on biting insects. Etymological warfare is a type of biological warfare that uses insects to transmit disease. The Pentagon has already alleged, allegedly performed such etymological tests in Georgia and in Russia. Biting flies in Georgia. In 2014, the Lugar Center was equipped with an insect facility and launched a project raising awareness about barcoding of sand flies in Georgia and Caucasus. The project covered a larger geographic area outside of Georgia, Caucasus. In 2014 to 2015, the phlebotamine sandfly species were collected under another project, surveillance work on acute febrile illnesses, and all female sandflies were tested to determine their infectivity rate. 
A third project, also including Sandfly's collection, studied the characterization of their salivary glands. As a result, Belisi has been infested with biting flies since 2015. These biting insects live indoors in bathrooms all year long, which was not the typical behavior of these species in Georgia previously. Normally, the fl uh, phlebotomine fly season in Georgia is exceptionally short from June to September. Local people complain of being bitten by these newly appeared flies while naked in their bathrooms. They also have a strong resistance to cold and can survive even in the sub-zero temperatures in the mountains. Biting flies in Dangasin, Russia. Since the start of the Pentagon project in 2014, flies similar to those in Georgia has appeared in neighboring Dangestan, Russia. According to local people, they bite and cause rashes. Their breeding habitats are house drains. And it shows you a picture of what they look like right there. Okay. Uh, flies from the phlebotomine family carry dangerous parasites in their saliva, which they transmit through a bite to humans. The disease which these flies carry is of high interest to the Pentagon. In 2003, during the U.S. invasion of Iraq, American soldiers were severely bitten by sand flies and contracted uh, leishmaniasis. The disease is native to Iraq and Afghanistan and, is le and if left untreated, the acute form of leishmaniasis can be fatal. A 1967 U.S. Army report Arthropods of medical importance in Asia and the European USSR lists all local insects, their distribution, and the diseases that they carry. Biting flies, which live in drains, are also listed in the document. Their natural habitats, though, are the Philippines, not Georgia or Russia. Okay. Good Lord, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I'm going to take a break right there, guys. Oh, lordy. Uh, it seems that I opened up a can of worms here at the Sea Report that I was not expecting to open. And I'm getting bit. <laughs> Wowzers. Hey, Relanon, what's up? Good to see you in the audience. Glad you're hanging out with us today. All right. We've been on for a minute. Our audience is still... Okay, okay, so here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. I was not expecting to uh, come across this article today. Admittedly, I had not read this one. It is uh, extensive. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this, guys. We're gonna revisit this, and uh, I will most likely publish this article on my website. This is intense, very serious stuff. Katieman63 says, this is the kind of stuff they kill you for. Like, who else is talking about this stuff? As, do you, do you, did you guys know about this stuff? I didn't know about this stuff, okay? Like, I stumbled on this, all right? Now, over at thecreport.com, once we relaunch the website, all these articles will be posted. So you guys can reference them, you can share them, you can, you can dissect them, you can spread them, you can do whatever you want with them. But this article, I will publish on that website in our blog. I will republish it with, you know, proper, uh, proper, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, proper, uh, you know, uh, I can't think right now. My mind is like, whoa, okay. So, 
Oh my goodness. Okay, so yeah, this was U.S. Bioweapon Labs in Ukraine. What will Russia find? This is from Veterans Today, okay? Dang, that's a heavy article, guys. It would have taken me about another 30 minutes to get through that article. So we're not going to finish it today, but I think our point is proven. Not only are there Nazis in Russia, I mean, in Ukraine, there are also... United States funded Pentagon backed bioweapons labs or biolabs in Ukraine. And this military operation in Ukraine seems to be exactly what that is all about. Insane, ladies and gentlemen, how deep this rabbit hole took us! Dang! Okay, man, my mind is blown right now. Hey, our cloaked unseen, thanks for gifting a cookie, buddy. Good to see you in the audience. Glad to have you along. Wowzers, guys. All eyes got said, we don't even need to read the secret U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. You ain't got nothing on that last article. <laughs> but it does say this. Let me, just, let, me just, let me just emphasize this line I just saw right here, just so you guys can see it. It says, in an appeal with reference to Serbian and Bulgarian media, it is reported that the United States has more than 400 bacteriological laboratories around the world including 15 in Ukraine, okay? So what we know is like, what, at least eight? And they, they talk about them right here. There are exclusively American ones, and they are financed at the expense of the U.S. Department of Defense, which is what? The American taxpayer. The laboratories are located in Odessa, Vinitsa, Yuzgorod, Lvov, Kiev, Kherson, Ternopil, and near Crimea and Lugansk. Okay? And we know that that is an area that Putin struck during his military operation. And there again is another map of uh, these areas, again, where we're seeing the, the pow pow boom boom. Okay? Odessa, Crimea, the Donetsk, the Donbass area, Luhansk, and uh, Donetsk. Kiev, Charkov, or Kharkov, depending on how you, what country you're in, how they spell it. Lviv, okay? All right, for this military. I'm telling you, Putin will be out of there. Putin will be out of there by Monday. And everyone will have their pants down around their ankles. I don't know if they'll be assuming the position, only the ones that like it like that. But they will have their pants around their ankles. And they're going to be like, oh, this was an occupation oh, this was an invasion, and why did Putin leave if he's going to occupy Ukraine? That's going to be the question. In fact, I think we already see the conclusion of this story. What I want to see is I want to see the mainstream networks suffer for this, okay? I want to see them all go down. I want to see every single globalist-backed propaganda media machine go down because they were on the air for the last 48 hours declaring this to be something that it's not. And Putin is going to leave by Monday and he's going to be like, he's going to be like, au revoir, Zelensky. And Zelensky will be like, bye, Putin. <laughs> Thank you for taking out the deep state in my country, Putin. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to strengthen our sovereignness, right? And by the way, we'll go ahead and acknowledge the, the Donetsk and the Luhansk as their own countries. Fine. 
right? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that. I mean, I'm idealizing here, guys. I'm being an everlasting optimist when I say things like that. Obviously, right? Obviously. But what do you mean you're being an everlasting optimist, Mr. C? Because uh, let's not forget um, uh, the, the Luhansk and the, the, the Donetsk region, uh, states there and the Donbass region, they need to be free. And, uh, and Putin sending his, his troops in there and he's backing up these separatists who are not even separatists. But for some reason, Ukraine has hired neo-Nazis to go and defend Ukraine. That makes no sense, right? Okay. Uh, 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 but, but Putin used genocide as a pretext. Putin used genocide as a pretext to go into the Donbass region. Don't forget that, Mr. C. Don't forget about that. Okay. Uh, Katieman63 asks, do you think maybe Putin and Zelensky had a deal where Putin only attacks Azov Nazis and returns Zelensky hides his troops? I do. I do. I might not have been able to word it as eloquently as you, my friend. But yes, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, let, let, uh, uh, reverse like four weeks to a month and a half ago. Like whenever we first start covering this. I said, and you guys can go look up this on, uh, you know, the podcast because it's probably easier to find. I said, wouldn't it be something if Putin and Zelensky were working together to out the Western backed forces, to out the Western media and make them look like fools for what they're trying to do to their countries? That's what I said. Not, that might not be my direct quote, but that is basically what I said. I said it would, I bet you, I bet you Putin and Zelensky are working together to expose the West, to expose the globalist deep state hacks, to expose the deep state department, to expose the NATO puppetry, to expose the lies of the Western media as they're trying to push this war that's not going to happen because this is a military operation where Putin is going in and he's taking out these deep state globalist forces. That's all I guess I, I got to say about that. Is, that. is that a mic drop moment? I don't know. <laughs> okay, guys, we're almost done here. We're right at, we're right at the cusp of completion uh, because what we're going to talk about now is this whole genocide, Right. And we're not going to go through every article. I think I think you guys believe me when I say I've proved my point. But um, well, throw me an article or throw me a throw me a video, Sean Joe. Because 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 unlike Ned Price, Sean Joe, I just don't believe you because you said it. Ah. <laughs> That's a funny one, right? That's a complicated joke right there because we don't believe Ned Price, right? Anyways, okay. So actually, I trust you more than Ned Price, Sean Joe. And he throws me a cookie. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. I I appreciate the cookie. Of course, there's heavy fighting in Kiev. That's where all the neo-Nazis are. What you talking about, boy? Okay, but throw me an article. Throw me a link. I would love to see it uh, so we so I can analyze it like, you know, like in my psychoanalysis. That's, you know, what I do here. Not only do I observe everything. I observe everything. I analyze it, too. Okay, All right. Let's talk about the genocide. Okay, because 
Putin is going into uh, Ukraine. You know, I think I think I almost feel comfortable saying I never have to talk about Ukraine and Russia after tonight's episode. Like we're done, okay? The next time we'll talk about Russia will be in the context of the Kazarian mafia and the Kazarians that tried to destroy Russia, and you know they had their shot at them with the Bolshevik Revolution. That's the next time we'll talk about Russia. I think after this, we're good, um, unless the deep state manages to pull something off here, right? Unless uh, the deep state manages to pull something off here. Ah, Sean Joe, he's watching Tucker and it looks bad. Okay, well, we'll we'll see about that. Maybe tonight won't be the last time that I'm talking about Russia. But I, I think I'm comfortable with my assessment. But I am a very humble agent of truth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a very humble agent of truth. Okay, let's talk about this genocide because the media is saying that Putin is lying about genocide and he's using it as a pretext to go into Russia. I need to give you guys, I need to give you guys the ammunition, right? Because uh, you guys need to know that Putin has done this before. And that's what they're going to say. Putin did this back in 2008 with Georgia and South Ossetia as an excuse to invade Georgia. Okay, that's what they're saying on the media right now. So we're going to debunk that right now and in living color. So let's get to it. Um, Let me see here. I think I organized these all by date. So we're starting back in 2008. This is from Foreign Policy. Okay, dot com. This is what they've got to say about this whole debacle. We'll go through this as quick as we can, guys, because, you know, it is a piece of history, but I don't think many of us know and or understand what was going on in Georgia and South Ossetia in 2008. I know I didn't because I was not fully awake in 2000. I was awake, I was, but I was voting for Ron Paul, not Barack Obama in 2008. That's how awake I was, okay? I was awake enough not to make a bad choice, But I wasn't awake enough to understand geopolitics is what I'm saying. Okay, 2008, guys. 2008. All right. It's been almost two decades that I've been doing this. And you guys still think I'm a potato head? All right. Okay. Russia is reenacting his Georgia playbook in Ukraine. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead. See, you see that? Russia is reenacting his Georgia playbook in Ukraine. This is what the media is going to tell you. I'm showing you this article because I want you to see their point of view. All right. Okay. False claims of military withdrawal followed by recognition of breakaway regions is a tried and tested Kremlin strategy. Despite two months of diplomatic efforts and European leaders' endless visits to Moscow, The Kremlin has shown no intention of engaging in meaningful discussions. By amassing around 190,000 troops along Ukraine's borders, Moscow is attempting to create a hostage situation in Ukraine so it can gain major concessions. Compared to the 2008 war with Georgia and 2014 annexation of Crimea, the West now seems to acknowledge the cost of appeasement and has avoided falling into the Russian trap so far. Still, the current 
force posture on the ground and recognition of the Russian-occupied Ukrainian territory's independence clearly indicates Russian President Vladimir Putin's aim to embark on military on another military adventure in Ukraine. Since Moscow's gamble for concession has failed so far, the Kremlin now seems to be orchestrating coordinated disinformation campaigns. Russia has deployed 45,000 troops and military equipment to Belarus for joint drills. Putin recently announced a partial withdrawal of troops to their permanent bases, sending false signals of de-escalation. Russia's behavior today bears a chilling resemblance to its approach to Georgia in 2008. Five days prior to launching its military operation, the Kremlin concluded the large-scale Kaz 2008 exercise and announced a pullback. The Georgian example clearly shows that Russian rhetoric cannot be trusted. Putin's decision to recognize the independence of Ukraine's Russian-occupied territories effectively kills the Minsk agreement. Apart from heavy military mobilization, the Russian side is increasingly seeking to construct a casus belay or belay by spreading disinformation and accusing Ukraine of planning military provocations in the eastern Donbass region. Throughout eight years of ongoing war, the Ukrainian government has never attempted to escalate the situation and retake control of the occupied parts of the Donbass region. It is hardly believable that Kiev would take such a risk at a time when Russia is launching its largest military mobilization in decades. Putin has gone further issuing genocide claims regarding killings allegedly taking place in the Donbass region. Russia is following its well-known playbook. In 2014, the Kremlin justified its military offensive by claiming ethnic Russians were being threatened in eastern Ukraine. Similar accusations were also at the forefront of Russian information warfare in 2008, when the Kremlin blamed Tbilisi uh, for committing ethnic cleansing, a charge later dismissed by a ruling of the European Court of Human Rights. It has been a while since Russia stopped caring about abiding by international law. What Putin really cares about is Russia's internal audience and how his actions will be portrayed at home. At a time when the Russian population does not seem too enthusiastic about the prospect of another war, the Russian calculus for waging war has to be justified by noble goals. Over the years, Russia has promoted its its role as a humanitarian actor, despite the authoritarian nature of Putin's regime having a decent excuse that will easily be embellished by Russian propaganda still matters. Now, I don't know. Russia talking about genocide kind of sounds like the West talking about democracy. Oh, we've got to go and spread democracy. We've got to go and save the people from dictators. We've got to go na 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 because they have dictator, 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 democracy, 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 and Russia's saying genocide, genocide, genocide. Well, we'll put this article to rest for the moment, actually for now. And maybe indefinitely, you could probably find the link on my website. Once it's up, we'll have it there. Let's take a look at articles that talk about the genocide. Was there genocide in Georgia? Okay. What was this all about? Did Russia invade Georgia? Because there's still, you know, people that believe that, right? There's still people, even in the patriot circles, who are like, well, Russia did invade Georgia. He's a war criminal. Uh, he's a liar and a thief and he's a murderer. We don't like Putin, but uh, you know we'll we'll stick with him because he's the he's the friend to our, he's the uh, the enemy of our enemy, right? 
Fine, okay? Fine, okay? If you want to believe that, go ahead. I don't know much about Putin other than the stuff that I've read. Maybe he killed his mother. No, he didn't, because I saw his, uh, I saw his, uh, (laughs) I know that much about his past, okay? I know he didn't kill his mama. Maybe he killed someone. Maybe he committed some war crime. I don't know. But, uh, based on everything I've seen about him to date, which includes that docu-series of interviews... War criminal, liar, murderer. I haven't seen any of that about Putin. So I wonder if even some of our patriots out there have their heads screwed on wrong about this guy and are just kind of going along with stories that the mainstream media are telling them that they don't understand. Because I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen him be a liar. I haven't seen him be a war criminal. I haven't seen him be a cold, calculating murderer. I haven't seen him do any of that. And I've kind of already researched the man from his birth until now. Even through his political history. So are we just being lazy and we're not really researching this stuff? Or and just are we just following the mainstream media like we use Google to do live searches on our shows? Really? Okay, is that what's going on here? Am I busting that seam wide open too? Jesus, Louise, no one's going to like me by the end of this. Okay, let me read this article. This is from Pravda. Pravda Pravda.ru. Follow Pravda on news. No, I'm not going to follow you on news.google. I don't even use Google, fool. Okay, all right. So this is from 2009. Let's see what this says here, ladies and gentlemen. It's okay if you don't like me. I don't really care. Okay, so it says here, USA, Ukraine, and Israel responsible for genocide of South Ossetian people. And you guys got to know when I say those offhanded things, I am not talking to my audience, okay? I'm not even talking to... uh, I'm not talking to anyone in my audience. I'm talking to people that feel it, okay? You know I'm not talking to you, audience. My, My normal, everyday audience, everyone who's here regularly, people who come up, from the dark to say hello. People who uh, don't use my talking, uh, people who don't use my talking points and don't invite me on their shows. Okay, USA, Ukraine, and Israel responsible for genocide of South Ossetian people. Let's see what this is about. South Ossetian President Eduard Kkoiti gave an interview to Russia Today's TV channel in which he stated that the United States, Ukraine, and Israel were responsible for the genocide of the Alsatian nation because these countries continued to arm Georgia. He also said that several Western news agencies were deliberately waging an informational war against the Republic. Georgia's military potentially today is stronger and higher than it was before August of 2008. They arm Georgia actively, Military drills take place there regularly. Georgia has become one of the most militarized countries in the world, Kukoiti said. Ambassadors from the United States, Britain, Italy, and Germany have been invited to South Ossetia repeatedly to be informed about the nation's concerns in connection with the militarization of Georgia. U.S. officials stated during those visits that the arms which Georgia was receiving within the scope of the Teach and Equip program would not be used against South Ossetia and Abkhazia. 
Official spokespeople for the EU and the OSCE, who, as Kokoiti said, left uh, Shiknavali, South Ossetian capital, several hours before Georgia's aggression, did not listen to South Ossetia's concerns and Russia's recommendations. The USA, Ukraine, and Israel are responsible for the genocide of the South Ossetian people. They will bear the responsibility in the future, too, if they continue to arm Georgia, if they do not refuse from the strategy which they intend to implement, Edward Coyote said. Speaking about the news coverage of the war, Coyote said that the Republic suffered from the informational aggression. Many Western journalists made their reports look like as if it was Russia's aggression against Georgia. Many Western journalists made their reports look like as if it was Russia's aggression against Georgia. Russian aggression! Russian aggression! They had two goals. To film the Blitzkrieg if they could. If not, then they were supposed to blame those who defeat Georgia. Everything was calculated there. The United States originally intended to make South Ossetia and Russia look like the aggressors, the South Ossetian president said. However, the president believes the truth about the war has been unveiled. We find many supporters today who believe that it was Georgia that organized aggression. Many non-governmental organizations, NGOs, in Europe and the United States acknowledge today, without our pressure, that Russia was right when it defended the small republic of South Ossetia, not invaded Georgia, and rescued its people from extermination as peacekeepers, not as occupiers, Kukoiti said in the interview with Russia Today. And see, that's just what I'm saying. That's just what I'm saying. Like, I see so... I don't see so. I hear of so many people. Patriots. Right? I don't like Putin. He's a war criminal and a murderer. He invaded Georgia and Crimea. It was a referendum in Crimea. From what I understand, we covered that here on the Sea Report. Okay. You know? Uh, And it appears that uh, he didn't invade Georgia either. All right. Now, granted, in 2008, this was way over my head, ladies and gentlemen. And I am not trying to get highfalutin here. But I am just saying, guys, maybe you should do a little. I'm not talking to my audience. Okay, I'm talking to other people. Maybe you guys should do a little bit more research before flying off the handle. Okay, but if I'm wrong, I am a humble agent of truth and I will admit it and I will course correct. But eh, we've been pretty much on the ball since Kazakhstan, guys. Okay. And I will still be vindicated over Afghanistan. I promise you guys. A lot of you guys don't agree with me on Afghanistan. But I promise you. Okay. I promise you. I will be vindicated. Okay. Because I lost a lot of audience over Afghanistan. All right. Okay. Let's continue with this. It says here. As for the international recognition of Abkhazia's. And the South Ossetia's independence, Edward Kokoiti stated that many leading parties in the European Union were in close contact with the governments of the two republics regarding the issue. 
It is only Russia and Nicaragua that recognize Abkhazia and South Ossetia as independent nations. Belarus intended to do it too, but it only complicated the country's relations with Russia. Okay, so let's take a look at what I got next, because we're going we're gonna to dig a little into this. Oh, check this one out. Okay, check this out, guys. Okay, here's a very short video. It's like two minutes long about the South Ossetian genocide committed by Georgia that Russia went in to stop. Okay, this is and, and then they said Russia invaded Georgia. That's falso. Okay, that's not what happened. Basically, in a nutshell, South Ossetia wanted to become independent from Georgia. They wanted to join North Ossetia, okay, and become independent. They weren't saying, I want to join Russia, right? This is what we're seeing in Donbass and Luhansk, Donetsk and Luhansk in the Donbass region, okay? So South Ossetia says to Georgia, hey, Georgia, we want to be independent from you. We don't want to be part of your dictatorship anymore. So Georgia goes in and starts massacring South Ossetians. When that happens, Russia steps in to protect them, and then the West paints them as aggressors who then are invading Georgia. Okay, that's what happened. But I still got a whole lot of patriots out there that believe that Russia was invading Georgia because they don't do their homework. Okay, but they're right, and they don't invite me on their show either, I might add. I'm sour. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Centuries-long ethnic confrontation between Georgians and Ossetians now taking on its worst form. This video serves to remind of other bloody clash between the nations, the crazy 90s of the last century. South Ossetia declared independence to withdraw from Georgia and join North Ossetia. That led to a new round of bloody slaughter. Dozens of Ossetian villages burned and thousands of civilians killed. Hundreds still missing. When Zviad from Sakhobia became the first Georgian president in 1991, Ossetians were exposed to oppression. Today's situation is almost the same. Saakashvili wants to take control of South Ossetia and get rid of Ossetians. The year 1920 went down in history as the first large-scale act of Georgian genocide against Ossetians. The nationalistic mood in Georgia gathered momentum with the fall of the Russian Empire, an area with two-thirds of a city and population wished to join its successor, Russian Federative Soviet Republic. Punitive measures followed from Tbilisi to destroy the nation utterly. Newspapers of the time stated the Georgian government is conducting national butchery of the Ossetians. Georgian Commander Jugeli remembers. Houses blazing. What a cruel and fascinating beauty. Ossetians fleeing to the snowy mountains of the Caucasus range. Probably they hoped to be saved there. They would have died from the cold there. This wasn't to happen, though. Tens of thousands escaped to Russia. Those forced to stay were imposed to change their writing from Latin into the complicated Georgian alphabet. Tbilisi was conducting a policy of substituting a Ossetian identity with a Georgian one. Hence, they had no right to call themselves Ossetians. Genocide is the deliberate destruction in whole or in part of an ethnic, religious or national group, say the reference books. And according to experts, 
this is what Georgia has been doing to Ossetians over the centuries. Okay, so there you go. That's a quick tell of you of things, ladies and gentlemen, of things. Um, okay, so then you have them. We're almost done, guys. We're, we're wrapping up tonight's story with the Georgian, the, uh, the Alsatian genocide. Okay, because they're claiming that Putin is lying about genocide. Uh, hey, what's up, Amazon? He says, proof, I saw news mask cover the Ukraine stuff in lockstep with the MSM fear and little facts. <laughs> well, Amazon, what I could tell you about news mask, you give me a, you give me some time to dig on them. And I think you guys are going to be quite surprised about who they're rooted with, ladies and gentlemen. We, we don't call them news mask here at the Sea Report for nothing. And I am pro... Guys, anyways, okay. L let's wrap this up, guys. We got to wrap this up, okay? It's already going to be Ocho, all right? I, I mean, I went on early so I could catch some of the heavy hitter VIP shows and look at me now. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Let me see. Uh, I don't think we're going to do this one. Evidence in Georgia belies Russia's claims of genocide. We'll have to skip this. Hold on. Let me, let me, uh, I just opened up a lot of articles. Like, let's do this, guys. Okay, let me just move that over here. Let me see where we at. Okay. Uh, we're going to do these two for sure. Um, this is, what does this say? South Asia launches genocide accusations. Now we can pass this one up. We'll put that back over here. I think we're good there. Okay. All right. We only got a couple more articles and we're done, ladies and gentlemen. We are done. Azerbaijan. What about Azerbaijan? Armenia and Azerbaijan are right below Georgia, says Sean Joe. Yes, they are. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan. Um, let's see here. So this is from RT. We have evidence of genocide, Russian investigators. This is 2008. It goes like this. We're almost done, guys. Thank you for hanging out tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure being with all of you all. We, uh, our audience was pretty, pretty, uh, held strong pretty much the whole way through. You know what I mean? All right. So it says here. Russian, oh, sorry, guys, let me expand that. It says Russian investigators say they have found evidence of genocide by the Georgian military against South Ossetians. The head of Russia's investigative committee, Alexander Bastrykin, said the witness reported, witnesses reported that Georgia, what, they don't finish their sentence? He also said that investigators came across the body of a pregnant woman shot in the head. Bastrykin added that more than 200 specialists continue to work in the region. Russian MPs back independence of South Ossetia and Abkhazia. On Monday, both houses of the Russian parliament have voted unanimously to ask President Dmitry Medvedev to recognize the independence of Abkhazia and South Ossetia. MPs gathered for special sessions to debate the future of the unrecognized states Georgia has repeatedly said it will never surrender its territories. MPs gathered for special emergency sessions to debate the issue of the unrecognized states. 
The Federation Council, the upper chamber, has also agreed that additional forces of Russian peacekeepers will be deployed in the conflict areas where the two breakaway republics border Georgia. The lower chamber, the state Duma, meanwhile, has called on international parliamentary organizations and parliaments of the United Nations member countries to recognize the independence of Abkhazia and South Ossetia. As the emergency sessions of the Federation Council began in Moscow, the presidents of the two breakaway republics have once again said they will never agree to remain within Georgia. In his speech, the president of South Ossetia, Eduard Kukoiti, said that both unrecognized states have more right to independence than Kosovo. As president of South Ossetia and on behalf of the South Ossetian parliament and its people, with all gratitude to the president of the Russian Federation, I once again call for the recognition of South Ossetia as an independent state, he said before the senators. Abkhazian pre now, do you guys think that Putin had his gun to his head? Do you think Putin was like, hey, Eduardo Kokoiti, you better say that you want independence from Georgia so that we can go and invade Georgia, right? No, that makes no sense. This is what we saw in Crimea, okay? Crimea wanted their independence. Russia sent in troops because you had far-right and far-left agitators, neo-Nazis, dare I say, going in there to disrupt their parliament so they couldn't vote. So Russia went in there as peacekeepers and the West painted them as aggressive infiltrators who were invading and annexing Russia. Now we're seeing that happening in Donbass. Now we're seeing that happen in Luhansk and Donetsk. Okay, okay, all right, let's go. Now that we got that established, um, it says, in his address, the Speaker of the Duma, Boris Grylovs, uh, Grislov, called Georgia's action a case of genocide and compared it to the aggression of Nazi Germany against the Soviet Union. Even if Russia recognizes Abkhazia and South Ossetia, the entire process will take a long time. There will be a need to decide what form their independence will take. But if NATO makes a strong push to bring Georgia into the alliance... Russia will recognize both of them instantaneously, says RT's political commentator, Peter Lavelle. The European Union was quick to react to the vote in the Russian parliament. Brussels issued a statement saying both South Ossetia and Abkhazia should remain in Georgia. The United States, joined by Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, said Russia's stance on the breakaway regions is not acceptable. The Baltic states also said recognizing the republics as independent states breaches international law and disrupts neighborly relations. Germany has announced that it hopes President Medvedev will not accept the appeal. A spokesperson for the German government recalled a meeting between Angela Merkel and Dmitry Medvedev where the German chancellor insisted the key to solving the conflict was maintaining the integrity of Georgia. Britain said the Russian parliament's initiative would simply increase tensions in the Caucasus. South Ossetia, which borders Russia in the South Caucasus and Abkhazia on the Black Sea, had previously attempted to break away from Georgia following referendums, which were overwhelmingly in favor of independence. The result were ignored by Bilisi, which claimed the ethnic Georgians forced to flee the regions were not consulted. 
The recent conflict in South Ossetia has added further urgency to the demands for self-determination. The roots of the current discord can be traced back to the divide-and-conquer policies of Joseph Stalin, himself half-Georgian, half-Ossetian. Before the 1917 revolution, the ethnic groups of the Caucasus all lived as separate subjects of the Russian Empire. However, with the Bolsheviks came the redrawing of the maps. With the Bolsheviks came the redrawing of the maps, with both South Ossetia and Abkhazia becoming parts of Georgia. When the Soviet Union collapsed, the then Georgian leader, Zviad Gam Sakhurdia, advocated a nationalist Georgia for the Georgians policy, reopening old wounds. Two military conflicts followed, leaving thousands dead and forcing many more to flee the conflict zones. The ceasefire in the early 1990s brought de facto independence to both regions with the shaky truce maintained by peacekeeping forces of mainly Russian troops. Since becoming president in 2004, Mikhail Saksvili, Saakashvili has pledged to bring his country closer to the West, which has also motivated his drive to end the territorial disputes. Alsatians and Georgians have lived side by side for centuries. The two groups share Soviet history and the Orthodox Christian religion and intermarriage is common, but the ties that once bound their cultures have been severely damaged in the trauma of the recent fighting. Kosovo's self-declared independence in February, too, has boosted these regions' ambitions. Most Abkhazians and South Ossetians carry Russian passports, and the only valid currency is the Russian ruble. In addition, both self-declared republics have presidents, flags, and national anthems. All right, interesting article there. Good for perspective. Let's move on, guys. We're running out of daylight here, guys. We're already going in the dark. <laughs> the European Times. USA approves Georgia's ethnic genocide against South Ossetia and Russia. And I think we could end this debate here, right? August 12th, 2008, guys. We had to go back to 2008 to get this info. All right. Okay. Article says... We must immediately call oh whoops sorry. We must immediately call a meeting of the NATO Council to estimate Georgia's security and consider the measures which NATO may take to stabilize the highly dangerous situation. That was said by John McCain. John McCain believes the inter the international community needs to deploy independent and neutral peacekeeping forces in South Ossetia. Russia must immediately and unconditionally cease its military operations and withdraw troops from the sovereign territory of Georgia. Again, you have a referendum in Alsatia, South Alsatia, and you have a referendum in Akazia. And they want to be, they voted to be free of Georgia. Russia goes in to stop them from massacring them. And then McCain says that Russia is invading sovereign territory. Sounds very familiar. Very, very familiar. Ariel Cohen, a well-known U.S. specialist of the Soviet Union, a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, stated that Russia was planning the incursion for months and that it was intended to demonstrate its hegemony over Eastern Europe. Push Mr. Saksashvili, 
from power in Georgia and not to let Georgia become a NATO member. Apparently, McCain and other U.S. experts believe that the extermination of thousands of innocent people and the destruction of their houses can be referred to as the retrieval of the territory, territorial integrity. It is worthy of note that Russia's air force already prevented Georgia's aggression against South Ossetia a month ago. The situation aggravated soon after Condoleezza Rice's visit to Georgia. It is not ruled out that Ms. Rice okayed the beginning of the war in the region on behalf of the United States administration. Taking McCain's remarks into consideration, one shall assume that the USA has provided certain guarantees to Georgia. The Georgian troops would not have opened fire on Russian peacemakers otherwise. Such battles inevitably lead to a war against Russia. Georgia would not dare to proceed so alone. Without the support from the West, furthermore, Georgia asked the USA to withdraw its contingent from Iraq to redeploy the military men to South Ossetia. The evidence to proof the USA's hand behind the Georgian aggression against South Ossetia can be found in Western media. Western news agencies, Reuters, for example, have been distributing countless photographs depicting Russians supposed atrocities in Georgia. Such photos, along with adequate headlines, can be found in practically all U.S. newspapers. The New York Times is the best example for it. All of them unanimously accuse Russia of aggression against Georgia, but they do not say a word about Georgia's actions against civilians in South Ossetia. Okay, so that article did not give me as much sauce as I wanted, but it was still good nonetheless. Okay, let me uh, drop this down real quick. Uh, do I want to do one more? There was an article in here somewhere. Oh, look at There's all of our... Do you guys think I should save photos for you guys as well? Or just the articles and the videos? Right? Um, that one was about... Okay. South Ossetia launches genocide accusations as pressure builds to transfer deceased prisoners' body. Is it the RT one? No, it's not. Okay. All right. Let me go ahead and put it right here. Okay. I mean, right here. Okay, guys. All right. I think we have reached the conclusion of tonight's report. We are just over four hours. I thank you all again for being here with us. Um, let me look at this real quick. I might want to leave you guys with a treat. It's not a real treat, actually. Of... Because we keep hearing about the annexation of uh, Crimea. We keep hearing that there's got to be footage. We keep hearing that, you know, um, I don't know, guys. I mean, if Russia is Gog of Magog and he's going to strike America, well, we're living in the belly of the sinner. You know what I mean? Like, we might be the city on the Golden Hill or the Golden City on the Hill or whatever. But, um, man, guys, the people of this country don't deserve it. The government that's exploiting us and using us against the world... They're the ones that deserve it. And I really feel like with people like President Trump and President Putin, 
that they're trying to do the best that they can to get the bad guys without hurting the people. And that's why I feel like we're on the path that we're on. And that path is harder for some people, like Putin, clearly. Because in all these stories I'm reading, the, back, the theme that's in the back, the background, in the background, there's this consistent theme. And the consistent theme that I'm seeing in the background is that Putin has been acting as a peacekeeper. Russia has been acting as a peacekeeper this entire time. But they keep getting painted as the aggressor and they keep getting painted as the enemy. And it's really the globalist deep state interests that are the enemy. And they are using the United States as a vessel to carry out their work. And I think that's a truth that we all know in our hearts and can agree with. So you know what this means now, right? This means now that it's up to us. Okay. It's up to us, ladies and gentlemen. It is in us to get this corrected. Because if we, the people of these United States of America, do not fix our government and get these demonic elements out who are using our country as a vessel to destroy and capture this world... If we don't do that, guys, then the blood is on our hands. Because you can see that there are clearly people out there who are fighting against these agencies. Who are fighting against these corrupt people. Okay? So it's up to us to do that. Because after all, according to our founding document, it goes back to us to take care of it. And I think that's kind of why we are where we are right now. I think that's kind of why we're on this path. We're on the path of the highest resistance with the least collateral damage. Ain't going to be nothing hard about this path, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to get there, okay? But in the meantime... When we have these types of uh, skirmishes happening in Europe, happening in Russia and Ukraine, at least we're here to debunk it. We're here to debunk it. Don't you forget it. Share the link, ladies and gentlemen. Share that link. And go sign up for my email list over at thecreport.com, please. (laughs) And go subscribe to the podcast, please. And share me on your socials. We'll be back tonight at midnight, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of Mr. C in the Dark. And we'll be talking about transgender to transhuman. If you can be a boy, but you're a girl. If you can be a dog, but you're a human. You can damn well be a robot. Guest Java will be joining me tonight for another episode of Mr. Steen the Dark at midnight tonight, Texas time. That's central time, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. I love you all, and we will see you soon. Have a good night, y'all.
The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm/the-sea-report. And thanks y'all.